0: We've been fighting for years, and the battle's not over yet. I can't help but consider whether we qualify as Superman, at least in the Nietzsche sense. Do our deeds not argue for our being superior to the standard gamut of humanity?
1: Without our gears, we never could have made it this far. We should be thankful for the Industrial Revolution, the internal combustion engine, the evolution of effective automaton devices, and the plentiful nanotechnology reinforcing their superstructure.
2: Yep, these gears have let us survive longer than we have any right to. But are they extensions of ourselves or beings in their own right? Do they think and dream when we're not guiding their actions? Where is the boundary between life and non life
3: Another plague of zombies is in our way. Are zombies any more alive than Gears, or are we picking and choosing those things that get to remain among us? Don't the dead have a right to be considered more than that if they get up and move?
4: Uh, guys? There's a the slight problem of being under fire, and we need to do something like
5: right now! My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Three, two, one! time traveling
2: podcast where we discuss computer and console rpgs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear brought to you by the staff of rpgamer.com we tackle the good the bad and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of rpg history so sit down and hold on tight your next adventure is about to begin here are the hosts of rpg backtrack phil
5: willis and mike Minky.
2: Welcome to RPG Backtrack number 83. We have the technology. And I have a gaggle of people to help me out with this podcast tonight. But first, I would be remiss. Well, first, I'm one of your co-hosts, Mr. Phil Willis. And as always, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the other co-host of the RPG Backtrack, Mr. Mike Meakey.
4: Just another dog facing the mud over here.
2: And, uh, we got, we got a bunch of people, we have technology and we have guests, we have technology that we're using to record this podcast and guests to help us out with this. Starting off with the ever-impressionable and yet oh-so-famous Mr. Nathan Schlothen.
1: I was totally prepared to do this on my own. You know, I still might.
2: (laughs) You might indeed. Uh and uh let's see who shall we introduce next you know it's really cold outside but keep us warm with a stack of hot blueberry pies as mr michael baker blueberry pies yeah (laughs) and you're baking them get it baker you've never heard that one before
3: oh no i've only heard it a couple thousand times
2: that's right but don't worry that's not nearly as bad as my next introduction stringing along with us mr john stringer
0: hello a guy here
2: he's never heard that one before either
0: no never and i'm all short of witty comments i gotta I got get warmed up a little first
2: <laughs> well there'll be plenty of time for witty comments especially i was i was wait, wait, wait phil uh-huh it's john's first time No, it is. Is it really?
4: Done
0: this, haven't?
2: No, he wasn't on one of the other ones? Oh, he just recorded. He wasn't actually on the show.
0: Yep. yep, yep. Woo! Yeah, still hasn't gotten
2: to do the introduction in a while. Oh my gosh! Oh oh boy! Wow! I got to break out these. Hold on a second. I got the questions right here for new people on the show. Let me blow them off. (laughs) All right. Wow! (laughs) Man, all the dust. Woo! Wow! Goodness gracious, Mister Mister John! Wow, new person, fresh beef. I, I mean, welcome to the show. What's your handle on RP Gamer, and what do you do?
0: I don't have one yet.
2: <laughs> can can we just call you Stringy Man? String along? String you? Yeah, I mean,
0: I use the the, the handle JMustang1968 for almost everything online. So I would imagine if I were to have one, that would be it. There you go.
2: Why don't you give us a brief overview of your gaming history?
0: My gaming history? Yeah,
2: because that's really what's important here.
0: Oh, it's, well, I'm 30. I've been gaming since the late 80s when I was a little kid. Uh, basically, started with the 2600 back when I was real young, you know, playing Asteroids. I think it was my dad's and my uncle's, and they had it in the house, and uh, moved on to the NES. Uh, you know, loved all the classics and then i went to the genesis and had that got the super nintendo and started really getting in rpgs and uh, that generation with you know shining force 2 final fantasy 6 uh ogre battle those are you know some of my favorite classics and graduated on up ps1 ps2 and 64 uh, basically had all the consoles since then uh big time pc gamer as well of the Baldur's gate series uh floated with uh, MMOs for a while I was pretty, in, pretty much in the WoW for a few years in college, and and now I have a stack of backlog that's so big that I'll never get through it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> welcome to the backlog club!
0: Don't we all? Yeah, I was about it, to say. It.
2: I actually put mine on a spreadsheet and calculated it at well over 12,000 hours.
0: Yeah, I've done something like that, too. And it's like, well, even if I didn't have a job, I don't think I'd ever right. be able to do all the games I have. I,
2: well, I, I figured if I didn't have a job, it would take me about eight years of solid eight-hour-a-day gaming without taking a day off. So, <laughs> yeah, trust me. I feel your pain, my friend. So, uh, what's your favorite type of RPG?
0: Uh, yeah, I probably have to be the strategy RPGs, though... I love some of the Western PC RPGs as well, but yeah, the, you know, the Ogre Battle, Shining Force, you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, tact- those kind of games. Probably, if I had to pick one, I really like them all. There's, there's not really, you know, one I, I don't like. It just, gun that my head, had to pick. That's what it would be. What would it be? The strategy RPGs, tactics. Yeah, you know, no,
2: but you, you're, I'm holding a gun to your head. Do you understand that? <laughs> you are about to die if you don't tell me definitively. Which one is your favorite? And don't give me none of this. They're all my children. Don't force me to pick one Bull crap. Okay. Five seconds.
0: Genre seven. or one game itself? One game. Oh, one game. I thought you meant genre. One game. I'll go with Baldur's Gate 2.
2: Mm. Wise decision. I'll let you stay on the show. <laughs> Had you picked Final Fantasy 7 I'm afraid no. I'd be forced to eject you.
0: It's not even my favorite Final Fantasy, so mm. no.
2: All right. <laughs> uh, just as yeah, like everybody else goes quiet, whistling because that's their favorite Final Fantasy, and they don't want me to kick them off. That's awesome. All right, well, welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Uh, Stringer uh... we're going to do our best to tie you up in knots today as we talk about xenogears in our main event and then we'll be moving on to some uh... some other games in our blast from the Reason past section i mean i know i'll be talking about chp we might be talking about some other games who knows we'll see and then, of course we'll wrap it up with the final lap which uh, i was editing the last show and didn't realize until i edited that the final lap was actually longer than everything else put together in the show so that was awesome I sensed
4: that while we were recording it, and it's nice to be proven correct in the actual evidence.
2: Your spider sense was straight on, Minky. It was tingling, it was tingling fiercely, tingling, yeah. and
4: for good reason.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> the little <laughs> clock was ticking. Yeah, it was awesome, but that's okay. We had a good time. So if you don't like it, well, you could always, like, stop as soon as the final lap, you know, started and, you know, just fast forward to the end music or something. There's yeah, some good music at the end of that. Anyway, speaking of music, I'm going to go ahead and put on a little ditty. And we'll be right back with our main event. Had, we have arrived at this destination. It only took us 82 backtracks to get to this game, which is one of the most requested games for us here at the RPG Backtrack. We've received no less than 1,213 emails saying, we ask... Man, I'm, gl-
4: I'm glad we, that you got all those instead we, of me. <laughs> we
2: demand Xenogears. And every single one I say, you know, it's not my decision, it's Minky. So when those 1,213 people are chasing you down, you know why, Mike. Uh, yeah,
4: that will be very comforting as, uh, as they rip me into pieces and ritualistically burn me at the stake, I'm sure. Just make
2: sure they capture it on tape because I'm dying to, ho- I'm dying to post up the next big YouTube thing that's going to make like millions of hits. So, but let's, let's get to the main event here. The Xenogears, a game called Xenogears, developed by Squaresoft Production. This was also published by Square EA, EA. Square 8 what, what the heck? Uh, that's probably one of the divisions. Anyways, this was uh, released in Japan on February 11th, 1998, and got brought over to the United States about eight months later on October 20th, 1998. Later, released, re-released on the PlayStation Network on February 22nd, 2011, and it works really great, by the way, on your PSP. grat, get yours today. This is a single, and it says here, multiplayer. Hmm rpg experience for your playstation one playstation three or psp handheld gaming device
1: well where's the ps2 too i believe yeah,
2: yeah yeah well yeah was there any one that weren't backwards compatible Well, they they uh, pretty much all are backwards yeah they're wait, all right.
1: wait, wait, I, I thought uh
4: final fantasy five and six that collection mm-hmm. had serious mm-hmm. problems on ps2 uh, that's
2: true but xenogears will work xenogears will work yeah, yeah yeah so we'll work on your playstation 2 sure sure are they still selling those new i'm gonna look it up on amazon
0: they just stopped
2: really seriously yeah,
0: they just sent their last batch i, I believe so no more wow. after I've, this
2: i've got a backup at my mom's house just in case i mean my playstation i got the old fat backwards compatible playstation 3 so i'm still good but just in case what's that lucky you Yeah, well, you know, I almost want to keep a PlayStation 2 just in my back pocket, just in case, because I've got a ton of great games. PlayStation 2 is absolutely one of the best consoles for RPGs, especially given its PlayStation 1 backwards compatibility, but we digress. I I
1: haven't really unhooked my PS2 since I got it. Yeah, isn't it great?
2: Yeah, it's awesome. So, anyways, we digress. Let us focus on... Going from one of the best platforms for RPGs to one of the best RPGs. Period. At least in some people's eyes, Xenogears a science fiction RPG experience. Awesome yeah, I'm gonna, you know, big
1: intervene right now to say something rather important. Do it. Basically, I am right now doing the big, great spoiler warning. Xenogears is a great game. Also, it's a game which is extremely, you know, plot intricate. It's got a lot yeah. of stuff in it. It's got a lot of cool plot twists and interesting twists and turns, and you know the game is more fun with them. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about the game and if you haven't played it yet, just stop the backtrack, go play it right now. It's fun.
2: Yeah, we'll just save you a bunch of effort. Just fast forward to like I don't know how long we're we gonna talk about this. 45, 60 minutes before we get to the blast in a recent pass. So just just do yourself a favor. Just just zip on.
1: Yeah, because you know we're gonna spoil the heck out of this game. And, That's you know, right. It's, like, it's a little less fun if we do so. Yeah,
5: I guess it's what back-time. we do. Anyone who comes
4: to this podcast and doesn't know what we're about, you're about to be baptized by Total Immersion.
2: <laughs> Good one, Mike. Yep. That's what we do here, boys and girls. We spoil the hell out of these old games, and this is a game that just, that just absolutely lends itself to super spoily action.
1: So, yeah, I think that's enough of that particular public service announcement.
2: So with that being said, let us go ahead and kick this off by talking about the setting for a bit. Who wants to talk about this setting? What it, what is, since we're talking about a plot-driven, story-heavy game, let's first talk about where it's set.
1: Okay, I guess I'll start that off. Basically, the opening sequence of the game is set on a giant spaceship cruising through space. Um, something bad happens on the spaceship, causing it to self-destruct and crash onto a planet. Immediately after this weird scene, and we've seen the spaceship cra- just destroyed in the planet's orbit and crashing down... You are told, you are basically plunged right into the world 10,000 years later, where people are living in a much more humble, society, primitive society, as caught up in a war between two nations. Basically, and people have lived on 10,000 years on this planet and have technologically regressed, as there's now different nations going around fighting each other with lots of giant robots. It's all about because- no,
5: just that. They've
3: gone through, what, five civilizations at this point, and so you keep finding bits and pieces of some really advanced. People's who used to live yeah. there.
5: Yeah.
1: In addition to not just ruins of old peoples, and I mean, there's stuff excavated from the original spaceship. There's just lots of, of ruins from older civilizations. There's also, in addition to the main civilizations, there's all kinds of advanced, super civilizations hiding around, manipulating things in the past. So yeah, already our first major spoilers. Yeah, and a lot of
0: the balance between the two nations is. The excavated stuff from the past, you know, the past civilizations that gave each of them their their power from technology and weaponry.
5: Yeah, and
1: mm-hmm. the main religious organization, Ethos, is basically the big force that repairs and maintains all this machinery for the various powers. And it's directly descended from a
3: group that came from the original spaceship. Right?
1: Well, kind of. No, actually, <laughs> <there's>...
3: <laughs> yeah, whatever that was.
1: Okay, that whole thing about that is that the spaceship. Well, okay. This is there had almost basically no real survivors. So the origin of people on that planet is actually somewhat different than just survivors of space spaceship. This is mm-hmm. how weird the game gets.
0: Yeah, it's very convoluted. There was one survivor, just one.
1: Yeah, yeah. but he himself is strange. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's kind of typical of late '90s Japanese science fiction where we don't just make it strange; we just keep adding on the strange and successive layers, and we hope we. We hope nobody busts an aneurysm trying to figure it out.
1: Uh, yeah, trying to keep track of it all is a bit hard. Uh, I mean, I'm actually pretty... They, they
3: keep yeah. doing it, too. I mean, some of the more modern stuff, like, um, what is it, the Horizon-like novel series is even worse. L- uh, yeah, so,
1: the Horizon is... That's a different touch of insanity. That's just plain yeah, insanity. But, yeah, Xenogears isn't too far off <laughs> when you get now, through these least, hard well, yeah, Xenogears is, okay, the thing is interesting is that basically it's so complex because it's originally phrased as, five, well, actually six whole games. They just planned out, let's make a giant series of six games spanning thousands of years with all kinds of complex religious symbolism and all that. That mm. was a touch too ambitious. They had to scale it back. The game we got, Xenogears, basically takes the original fifth chapter and folds in lots of ideas from many of the other ones to kind of create a more whole complex experience. Because of that, it has a lot of the leftover stuff from the whole broader planning, which, you know, ramps mm-hmm. up the complexity a fair bit. hmm Like several of the ancient civilizations they end up scavenging from. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, the one from, like, four or 5,000 years prior shows up in a, just a couple scenes, but it's actually some fairly shtout, and that's the setting for an entire previous is that, game.
3: Is that the one that was destroyed in a, in a nanotech apocalypse that created that one green-haired girl?
1: Well, no, it's actually destroyed in a in nuclear war, basically. Just a big, you know, flat nuclear war. But the thing is, it's already dying now due to genetic def- defunction, basically. People are just weren't able to have kids anymore. And then they just got so pissed off they couldn't have kids anymore, they blew each other up with nuclear bombs. And The nanotech was actually trying to solve all that and avoid that, but it failed.
3: Okay. I, I remember there was a nanotech a yeah. girl who was the nanotech. I remember she came out of that particular... Well, yeah, Emerald.
0: They were sabotaged because that's not the direction the other the the antagonists wanted them to go in. Basically,
5: yeah, yeah.
1: the main villains actually you know triggered that whole war because. I mean that's the basic theme of Xenogears. There's people. It's okay. It's the basic theme of Xenogears is that it starts off such. It's a kind of brilliant plot flow actually because it starts off small and humble and doesn't expect you to know a lot. It just kind of pulls back layers and curtains, and so feels that the whole starting conflict is just one small piece of this kind of grand history of manipulation and. This layers of conspiracy within conspiracy and yeah. you, you, it dates back to the entire history of their world.
0: As soon as you think you have an idea of what's going on, boom, they throw another wrench in it and it's completely different than what you expected.
1: Yep. In fact, it also broadcasts this so well, so it gives you this foreshadowing hinting that, oh yeah, there's more complex stuff going on, but it still manages to surprise you with exactly what happens. I mean, I guess it's probably obvious from the way I've been saying If I love the story of this game. It's just, there's a lot that you don't see anywhere else. It really had a strong impact on me when I first played it.
0: I believe it was uh, originally supposed to be Final Fantasy VII, was it not? And then they deemed it was too controversial or too dark?
1: No, that wasn't at all. I don't think it's ever intended to be a Final Fantasy game. It has no traits of Final Fantasy in it. It was made by a completely different team. It's just that Final Fantasy VII kind of pulled from this game's budget, I think. Mm -hmm.
0: I thought I'd read somewhere in the past where it was originally going to be that, and then they changed it and made it in its own game. They allowed them to make their own game instead.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, there really is no trace of any Final Fantasy um, trademark mm-hmm. stuff in the game.
1: There is, but however, Chrono Trigger stuff, which that's the thing. This game was just, at the time, I always saw it as the big spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger because, it, well, for one thing, Lucas shows up as a cameo in this game and is the same composer, a lot of music sounds the same and various other things. It's got some of that imagination, a very different tone and such, but uh, it's. Made by a lot of the same people, I believe.
5: Mm. Cool.
2: All right. So that's a good, uh, good setting description there. Who would like to uh, kick off the conversation about the characters?
1: Um, Not everybody
2: at once. Now,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I well, I to guess talk about games, you so. can talk, <laughs>
5: talk about the main character, Faye,
0: who's kind of weird to begin
3: with. I mean, we got yeah. plot-induced amnesia. The homicidal uh, alter ego the yeah I guess simple
5: truth
3: that he's a seri- serially what's it right word serially reincarnated
1: yeah okay there's all kinds of layers to Faye. I mean the first layer is he has amnesia he doesn't know who he is then it's revealed mm-hmm. that he has amnesia because you know guess what he's not actually you know a normal guy he's got three personalities in him you only know one other one earlier on but even then it's not really revealed it's him they kind of keep it Okay, basically you've got Fey, you've got Id, and you've got the coward, who are all his three personalities. The main Fey you control is the third personality, who was only created three years ago. He has amnesia because he, he, his own consciousness didn't exist prior to that point. And yeah, he also is basically this game's Jesus analog, hardcore. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that's basically his role. He's
3: Jesus.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Your own personal Jesus. Kinda. Reach out, reach out and touch him. It's yeah.
0: kind of the Freudian hero as well, and. Uh... I was going to say
3: Jungian, because he, I'm sure there's an arc. I'm, actually, I know there are archetypes involved in this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Id's personality is just one of the three main things of Freud. And right. There's yeah. kind of an Oedipus complex thing going on in his backstory, which is a little weird and hard to explain. <laughs> Extremely hard to explain.
0: Well, Miang, another one of the, the uh, constantly reincarnated characters, was his mom that caused his yeah, uh, okay. memory loss Mi-ing and the, con- creation of Id.
1: Yeah, Miang is, okay, Miang is not continuously reincarnated. She's actually something quite different. She's, okay, Miang is the name of the main villain of this game. She's first introduced as a completely secondary character who's mostly just the age to one of your military opponents. In fact, she's the main villain. She's the consciousness of the giant superweapon Deus, which is the basic driving force which created that entire world for its own purposes and is the final boss. Mm Mm-hmm. Just well, there's in the main Zuni Gear's perfect works. It describes that basically she has, she's a basically a per, an entity which people are transformed into this control program for Deus, which is Miang, which is basically every time Miang dies, a new per, a random woman in the world is selected to be the new Miang, and this happens about a thousand times across the game's 10000 ten thousand 10, year history. Mm-hmm. It Makes total sense to me. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. It's hard yeah, to it's just, it was complicated. Know where to start explain it all it's so so convoluted you really do have to play
3: the game to even get a, a sense of what it's going on about sometimes
1: yeah but that's the thing it's like the game actually handles it pretty well because it transfers information to you kind of smoothly across the whole reach of it and mm-hmm. so it's just and, it sounds so ludicrous to explain it from this perspective but if you so play it, trying, it works we're well. trying to
3: pack it into 45 minutes of podcast here oh
2: you you guys have as long as you want <laughs> uh, I'm doing huge spreadsheets for my job, so... We got all night. we We're good.
1: Okay. Well, so I mentioned... at... Spoil away! Okay, I guess the next matricator we need to talk about is Ellie, the in heroine of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the entire game is a big love story between Faye and Ellie. It's the simple description of it. Mm-hmm.
5: Uh,
1: they meet when she shows up, in, uh, up, up, up and drags his hometown into violent war. Go figure. Um, and she's a that's... person She goes on insane murderous rampages by accident uh yeah, that's various things because she's she's a complex figure she's from uh, um, is there a character in this game who is not a complex figure except for Bart uh, i guess thank you uh, he's got his own thing. But. yeah uh Ellie's another continually re- reincarnating character she's um she's basically the continually reincarnating form of a idealized entity created by the original form of Fae 10,000 years prior that she's strongly linked to the entire plot of Deus and this... Okay, I'm just going to need to explain the Deus plot right now. (laughs) Basically, 10,000 years prior, the spaceship Eldridge was flying through space, trying to dispose of this enormously powerful planetary weapon system called Deus. Mm -hmm. Basically, Deus was a giant weapon system designed to basically be the ultimate weapon system that kind of went rogue. You know, like Mavericks from Mega Man X, or X and started blowing the planets left and right. People didn't like that, so they disassembled it and tried to dispose of it. It didn't like being disassembled and tried to be disposed of, so it basically reactivated itself and revolted, and thus they blew up the Eldridge and crashed onto the planet. Deus was damaged and tried to fix itself, so it basically created mankind, of the, the, the humans of that world, in order to basically ultimately repair itself. The elephant evolved and become stronger. To that end, it created Miang and all of that. Uh, the one survivor who stood, who, who survived that crash, uh, that crash was the original incarnation of Fay, a character named Abel, who is the one major character from Xenogears who shows up in Xenosaga. If you've played those, he wasn't nah.
0: really he was not really cr- saved or created by Deus though. He was he was actually a passenger on the ship
1: that yeah touched the, in touch on with the uh,
0: spiritual body within Deus that uh, saved him and allowed him to live because it imbued him with powers to possibly defeat Deus in the future.
1: Yeah, he's basically been chosen by Wave Existence, the entity that resides within the Zohar, the well, the, the Zohar, that the or this core of Deus, and the Zohar, the core of Deus, and, and through the Wave Existence blessing, he's become well far more powerful than other human beings, so he's able to survive the crash. And the Zohar and is just,
0: is the power system of Deus. And then, in searching for an uh, eternally an eternal power system, it tapped into some other plane of existence,
1: which is yeah, the wave of
0: Yeah, right? and kind of trapped it inside Zohar and inside Deus, so it was able to eternally power itself, and the wave of existence wants out, wants to go back where it was, and that's why it gets in touch with Fade to, to try to help Fade defeat Deus and break out and get its freedom again. Yeah, so that's
5: a big more or or for it for
1: you, making your own power source hate your guts.
5: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The mm-hmm. thing about this is that you know it's actually kind of vague about how it all became in the first place. The the perfect works guide that is behind Xenogears does a lot does a lot it to explain it. It's actually kind of like this little teasing hint, like what was Abel even doing in contact with Zohar in the first place, and which Xenosaga does a lot of weird stuff with when it dwells on this issue. But again, that's Xenosaga, which isn't canonical at all in Xenogears because it's owned by a different company. Um, let's see here. Um, okay, Ellie was created it, 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 by Faye having kind of talked to the Zohar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were two eternally reincarnated together, always falling in love each time.
0: Well, first they were uh, defeated by Cain, and the fir- their initial yeah. reincarnations, which was created by, uh, and so you get the Abel and Cain thing, the whole you
1: know, yeah.
0: uh, Bible story there, and Cain defeats Abel and Ellie. And they reincarnated
1: again and again and again. Again. Uh, it also should be mentioned that the original Ellie was also at the same time Yang, the they had consciousness of Deus. They, they originally existed as one entity, but it broke off when, at some point into this Mian, and they just had different reincarnation processes. Uh, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole lot of things. The Deus is made of a whole bunch of parts. Uh, it was originally created It's humans, it created Cain and the 12 a- Elf Animus as is the original things the 12 animists were each given one of the 12 anima relics which are well giant power sources that are designed to uh, work alongside the Zohar. are mm-hmm. basically the 12 animists and 12 anima relics were all the 12 animists were all originally immortal but like 4 or 5 thousand years later they all get sacrificed their lives in order to save mankind and they transformed their minds to a giant supercomputer and spent the rest of the game as villains However, the reincarnations are most of your playable characters, and thus the playable mm-hmm. characters can use the anima relics, which help transform their giant robot uh, gears into powerful omni-gears, which are even more powerful. And yeah, most of I mean, spent trying get to the top of omni-gears. Originally. What's the
0: next character to talk about? What about Graf?
1: Graph. Graf. He is... Okay. Groth is the previous incarnation of Faye, who has possessed Fay's father, and is using it in order to go on his own complex schemes for... Uh, I'll say Groth's motivations are a little complicated, but... Yeah, yeah, it's okay. the, <laughs> absurdly
5: complicated.
0: Well, at the beginning of the game, it seems like Graf is, like, the the main protagonist. It, it kind of yeah. gives you that hint. Like, he's the evil bad guy, and it, and it grows from him. But it yeah, looks he like he was... does so
1: well at that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he, he was, later uh, on, he's... Go ahead. Just Later on, it gets kind of complicated. You see, he finds this guy named Wise Man, who tries to help you out. Turns out Wiseman is actually here's father, Khan, who is himself also Grof, because Grof is possessing Khan. And ultimately, Grof helps you out in the end. Because, I mean, from the very beginning, he tells you, I want you to destroy God. And what do you do at the end? You destroy God, because that's the thing you need to do. So ultimately, Grof kind of, like, he's actually doing the thing you need to do, even though he's kind of a bad guy and does a lot of crazy stuff.
0: So that's the one thing where I don't see how Fay is Jesus if he kills God.
1: Uh, see, this isn't Christianity that is in, you know, Catholicism <laughs> or Protestantism. This is Gnostic Christianity. Yeah. The idea of Gnostic Christianity, which is basically the idea that there's this primordial kind of a cosmic stuff from which there's this entity named Sophia, who, whose name shows up in this game as the previous incarnation of Ellie, who basically create, tried to, well, create new life unless she gave birth to God. But God was evil, but God gave birth to humans, who were, despite being created by evil God, are in fact good. And... Jesus is the entity who redeems humans by fighting against evil God. And yeah, the that's one thing basically I remember how about.
3: Gnosticism is that it's heavily based on secret teachings and mystic texts. Texts and a lot of this is just really weird to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah. So the, the fact that God, the true nature of God, is hidden from the entire planet, and how there's like multiple secret wars going on simultaneously over a couple millennia. That nobody knows about. This fits in really well with the Gnostic concept of just yeah, there's totally more to the world than but anybody is ever gonna tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, so they go, the people who made Xenos eventually went on to go all overboard with the references to Gnostic Christianity in Xenosaga when I mean, you get stuff like the Gnosis or even the satellite pleroma, which all references to Gnostic faith.
3: Or that or that one free floating AI that drove people insane and it turned out to be God. Yeah.
5: Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what are, what is Monolith smoking? Um, I asked. that uh, having not played their most recent one. Um, well, Monolith is
4: obviously smoking anything it can possibly get its hands on. Uh, and yeah, Xeno, I'm hoping that everybody smokes the same thing, Xeno, or else incoherence will result.
1: Anyways, okay. for Xenogears' sake, what they were smoking was lots and lots of Super Robot Anime, because you know Xenogear's is a giant love letter to Super Robot Anime. It just, I remember there every was a, last uh, little thing uh, in here is a reference to something.
3: <laughs> well, that was a
1: there was that Voltron transformation sequence, right? Yeah, the Voltron transformation sequence. They've got, I mean, I, this was made after Evangelion, so I think Evangelion was definitely the biggest inspiration for this game. Yeah, yes, definitely. Far and away, yes. Um, I mean, they've got Gundam and sounds, all kinds of references to other mecha stuff in here. I mean, Xenogears so you know, was the game that got me into mecha stuff and mecha anime and such. It's really the big thing that makes me love, fall in love with it. So it's, I know if I played again after being so much more exposed to it, I'd you know, see the references everywhere because they are there. It's it can be actually very lighthearted and carefree, we would think. It doesn't... Xenogears, for all of its complex plot, it doesn't take itself seriously half the time. and it's a, It can be very lighthearted and joking, which is part of what I like about it. Yes,
3: that's definitely one of the better things. If it actually took itself seriously... Oh, man. Um... <laughs>
1: Well, if it took itself seriously, we could get Xenosaga, which we know how that turns out.
5: Well,
0: it sure. takes itself so seriously sometimes, then it just goes off in a real goofy direction, and then it, you know, it kind of goes back and forth, I think, throughout the
1: game. Yeah, it could go really dark, and then yeah. really not dark. Maybe had it's a soylent green moment. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like the soylent system is something that exists in this game. It's just And it does exactly what it, it says. I know, yes. Uh, let's see here. I mean, it's you have got references to child prostitution games at the time we've got you know penguin people it bounces for, that far between the extremes
0: <laughs> uh, i like some of the uh translated dialogue too at uh, one part now now after watching it i think near the beginning it's like mother of god <laughs> this kind of made me chuckle just from uh that being used in uh when the, when the one guy's calling him son and how am you're still calling me son pops and Little goofy little things like that pop up in real serious moments. It kind of makes you. I don't even know if that was intentional humor or not in some of those cases.
1: Yeah, it's been so long since I've played; I can't remember much of the details, of localization and dialogue. But uh, I think it probably wouldn't have aged well by modern standards, just because it's an early PlayStation Square translation. I don't yeah, think there, yeah that well. there's
0: some, there's some rough spots, but overall, it's not it's not too bad.
1: Yeah, certainly not. Is that is all it? the characters?
5: No.
3: No, uh, there's He's- lots of characters.
1: We've got a nanomachine cluster. We've got a giant green man who looks like Blanca from Street Fighter. We've got hold a girl on. who pilots a robot as the she is. That's in the reference to the gigantic uh, Hold on monster.
2: one second, Nathan. <laughs> a little technical difficulty there. Sorry to cut you off there, Nathan. Try that again.
1: We've got a girl who's a giant cluster of nanomachines. We've got a guy who's all green who looks like Blanca from Street Fighter and has a bad attitude. We've got a one-eyed desert pirate and his sub-captain, the other one-eyed desert pirate. <laughs> we've got a girl that. who's, you know, straight out of... who basically thinks she's piloting Tetsujin 28 or Gigantor, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy characters in the game. Also, we've got Choo Choo, the most Stuffed useless animal. character ever <laughs> in any RPG ever made. Choo Choo.
0: You got the doctor. Which, which and...
3: Kenneth, Choo Choo, uh, adorable is not the right word, but it's here grotesquely cute mascot character that can change itself into a 60-foot-tall kaiju? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, 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 why do they have to make him a playable character?
1: I don't know. It's so random. That they, it's not like Chuchu just does anything plot-important at all, yet they just throw in Chuchu as playable character. Mm-hmm. Total opposite the extreme, we get Sitan, who's... You know, one of the greatest video game characters ever made, honestly. He's such an extremely complex layered character who's the very, he's a very definition of what makes Yuno Gears good and interesting. He's just this doctor who lives near the town who's kind of goofy and has a nice family, a nice loving family. And he's basically the agent of the enemy forces who knows everything about all the secrets of the world and betrays you at a few points and is extremely layered and he betrays you and helps you out and betrays you again. And he's also one of the most badass fighters and a good healer, and just a great character to use and just incredibly interesting.
0: He's kind of like Phase guardian angel type person, but then he's also, it has got his ulterior motives.
1: Yep. He's just, he you always know, it's like he's like, he says, oh, I'm an oral doctor, but then he explains some of his history, but then he reveals the history he told you is in fact kind of a lie that's mocking, covering over his true nature, and really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are mostly all your playable characters, and then you still have some of the uh, we haven't talked about Ramses yet, which yeah, is, uh, they tried to make, Ram- Ramses was genetically created uh, off the DNA of Cain because they hadn't found Faye yet, which is called the Contact, the, the, the hero character or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so I really
1: feel for Ramses since, like, they've deliberately built into him a terrible inferior complex because they specifically wanted him to be crazy. And it's like, you got to feel for a guy they, who has they, been like. They,
0: they tried to make him into the Contact, which was what no, Faye actually, that's is. The
1: thing. They didn't try to make him to contact. They told him they tried to yeah. make him to contact just to make him feel inferior to the contact. And then they, and they kind of
0: they, got, they tossed him aside when they found Faye and said, you know, you're worthless, you're trash.
1: Yeah, and they tell him you're trash. They raised him to be feel worthless and they arranged it so he basically, his entire unit got wiped out by Faye a few years ago and he was holding a grudge and just, they deliberately made him crazy all for the purpose of him going crazy. Despite that, he's actually kind of a cool character at this badass yeah. honorable foe guy who keeps recurring to show, showing up to fight you in duels with these powerful necks.
0: And Miang Ming, uh, basically manipulates him throughout the entire game and as uh, yep. his lover at certain points. Uh, basically yep. causes him to do a lot of the evil stuff he does.
1: Yep. And ultimately he kills her only to realize that was her plan all along. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense yet? It does. <laughs> oh, the one thing Ramses has got going for him is he's got a Whole harem of four girls, plotting Max to all support him. Yeah, and he just kind of walks off in the ha- like happy ending. He just walks off. This whole harem of girls—that's the last you see of him.
0: And then uh, I guess the other—I guess there's two main antagonists. I think what Mig and Krillian.
1: Well, Krillian's—he's too complex to really call an antagonist. He actually drives a lot of the things going on in the game. He, he but at the same time, the game doesn't strictly—I don't know. And then it's hard to say he actually—he, you know, he was bad, the bad 95% guy. Ninety-five percent of the game. Yeah. and kind of has a, cl- a moment of clarity, I guess. Yeah, at the very end. like yeah. You don't actually fight him or kill him. It's just at the very end, it's like, oh, hey, hey maybe you were right all along. And then he fades away when God vanishes. Sort of thing. So He keeps saying some re- hard-to-understand lines about walking the path with God as he l- leaves the world entirely or something like that. He's it definitely like sense. the
0: puppet master of the game, though, and he wants to become God. He, he was... Uh, he was A long time, he's from one of the the past, uh...
1: He was 500 years old, kept alive by nanomachines. Because, okay, this is the game that long before Metal Gear Solid 4 did it, this is the everything is nanomachines game. Mm -hmm. How do you fight the final boss? Nanomachines. Party member? Nanomachines. How's this guy alive for 500 years? Nanomachines. Nanomachines. I mean, there's even... I'm struggling to see the more... I know there's something even more ridiculous with nanomachines in there, but I can't even remember what. Oh yeah. Why is everyone on the planet turning into weird monsters? Nano machine.
3: <laughs> I was about to ask I remember the animal people thing and the the um, lessons in racism involved, but I couldn't remember why they were changing into
1: animal people. I think it's just random experimentation or create new strengths of mankind to help promote Deus. Just they're yeah. test subjects basically.
0: Well they turn in like mutants and they, he extracts their that and use that to become to be, I mean he created humanity just so he could you know, rebuild himself back to his former glory And yeah,
1: Well, Krellian was doing all the experimentation to create animal people
5: and such. Oh,
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. And the a they had a nuclear war is to promote genetic mutation in order to help pro- make people get more psychic powers because, you know, that's what ether powers are in this game. Everyone's got the to control ether, which is uh, more or less a psychic power born from genetic mutation in the last few thousand years. They never tell this in the game. Just everyone just has ether powers.
0: It's and, uh, all Trillion. their random
1: word-of-God stuff. Well Krellian
0: tried to create God on his own or
1: Yeah, basically himself. he was just in love with Ellie's previous reincarnation, Sophia. He watched her die because she tends to die a lot. And it's like just basically like there is no God, if there is no God, I'll create one with my own hands. And he spends five hundred years doing exactly that. And then he rebuilds God with his own hands. You have to kill the God that he makes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's I guess we covered most of the characters though then.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about robots instead because, you know, that's what half the fun of this game is. (laughs) I guess, you know, this is a mecha game, like, you've got two combat systems, the on-foot combat and the mecha combat. And, you know, generally in terms of plot fights, all the good plot fights are mecha fights and just a lot of the foot fights just kind of more filling in the gaps stuff. No, I I
3: like the on-foot fighting though, with the... Yeah, both are fun fighting. Oh
1: yeah, they were good. And so what's really cool is that they're actually completely interchangeable. You can have a team where two of your party members are on foot and another person is a giant robot fighting a team of like four guys on foot and a giant robot. I mean, if you can be in a robot that are not, there's a good sign you're going to die in five minutes or five seconds maybe. But uh, other than that, it's actually kind of fun that they're so interchangeable and such.
0: Well, you could do a lot of damage when you weren't in a, a robot. The problem is, you just got one shot. If you weren't in it, if if that character yep. was was meant to be it's, in it, so kind of there's too damage. can
3: take it. It's on you then squish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: it's, 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 it's a character with three hundred hit points and a character with thirty thousand hit points. Right,
0: but uh, they get basically the the out of mech combat is uh, your, your traditional JRPG, you know, turn based. Uh, well, it's, it's kind of, it's kind it's of Final
1: Fantasy ish. It's got that interesting twist. It's more Legend of though, because it's got the twist that you've got three different types of attacks. Like, you've got the weak attacks, the medium attacks, yeah. and the fierce attacks. And you can chain them together up to seven mm. points total, with each one having different point value, to get fancy combo moves. And if you do the right combination, you get a death blow, which Basically is a it's, fancy killing move.
0: Instead of hitting X to attack, you hit, like, triangle, triangle, X, <laughs> and do yep. a little combo every time and build up your, your gauge or yep. your, uh, your combo meter or whatever. And then and you've the got, next fighting, you get. got... Yeah, uh, go ahead.
1: Okay, this, the basic kind on of foot combat, you've got two, three different things you can do. You can do a, an attack and aim for a powerful death blow, or you can uh, attack and try to build an and don't use up all of your energy, and energy you don't use up goes up to fill your combo gauge, which can be used to launch a large chain of death blows. Or you can just try using ether moves, and those uh, are occasionally items.
0: Ether is just basically like the magic, you know, healing, or, but it's kind of a technology... It's kind of a magic with ties and the technology. Yeah, it's the
1: basically day. you're kind of asking the zohar to. This, I mean, zohar. I keep saying zohar, but that's totally the wrong. <laughs> series. So you keep asking. Basically, it's asking the zohar to manipulate reality for, and give you energy, kind of thing. But it's wishing for God to solve your problems for you and actually working. Whereas faith cheaper abilities are him just using the
0: power of God himself that's its own thing no, I kind of a tangent and I, I replayed this again whenever I see the Zohar I just I couldn't take it seriously because it makes me think of that damn Zohan movie don't mess with the Zohan <laughs> so I don't I know it's off it's off topic but man I just kept seeing that and it kind of made me one inside <laughs> it just seems like a, a cliched name to use
3: even though it's like one of the basic things from the yeah Bible. yeah it's like, it, and according to this, the translation means Splendor or Radiance
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's the Book of Splendor I think I've heard it called It's just the, one of the books, a religious text from long ago
0: Is it? Okay
1: huh. Yeah. No, I, There's a ton of other random stuff in there and such of that kind uh, there's,
0: Oh, there's a ton of, for every reference you get there's two you miss most likely just yeah. some of the sheer breadth of stuff Mostly, it yeah. takes stuff
1: from like I mean, there's all twelve animal relics, or they often reference. They're all named after the twelve sons of Abraham in Christian and Islamic children. Yeah, Twelve tribes, yeah. Which is a nice the-
3: thing, because usually when you have twelve of something in a Japanese video game, it's talking about zodiac. So yeah, it's interesting to see a different reference to twelve in there.
1: Though, I mean, they keep mentioning that there's 12 animal relics, but I've never made the math work in my head since they're just so inconsistent with what's an animal relic and what isn't. It's just impossible to keep track of. Like, I mean, but what's an possible. Omnigear? Does Xenogear so have, have an animal relic? Does it not? I mean, does, is there any reason that Ellie's Omnigear should, but it doesn't? I don't, and how the heck is Groff have an Omnigear? Since he doesn't seem to be an animist, was Khan an animus? I don't know. There are no answers.
5: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know and of
3: course that's also a major thing about gnosticism there are, is it even possible to know all the answers and probably not with this game
0: okay <laughs> no <laughs> well we didn't talk about the the mecha combat though we did the okay. mecha, combat.
1: mecha combat yeah mecha combat i mean basically mecha combat is all about rationing your fuel you've got again three types of attacks weak attacks medium attacks and fierce attacks and they all use up different amounts of fuel also, whenever you use an attack in the mecha, you would choose to either just using the basic attack and trying to ch- charge up your overall le- e- the le- energy level for your mech or going for a death blow, uh, at your uh, which is based on the power of your current e- energy level. But if you use a death blow, use it all up.
0: Yeah, every attack kind of builds that gauge up and then if you choose to unleash it, it does a... Very powerful attack, usually about two yeah. or three times your your main damage.
1: Yeah, it's just, the longer you charge it up, the more powerful it is. And if you just right. keep charging up without using death mode, there's a chance you can enter its basic infinite energy mode. It's hyperdrive, at which points you can for three turns use a, it's the most powerful attack straight, or just charge a for ridiculous amounts of energy. Or late in the game, you can just activate its phase on super mode and go into that mode immediately at the cost of a ton of fuel. The problem is fuel. Doesn't regenerate at all between fights. It just constantly keeps going down with every attack you make unless you just charge to defend for a round to get back a tiny amount of fuel, which involves that every so often in a mech fight, either unless you can fight. Know where there's a fueling point of a head, you might just need to sit back and charge for several turns as you try to build up oh, your energy. Also, weren't,
3: um, in a lot of the areas, weren't there refueling mechs floating around um, that you Yeah, there actually refueling yeah, mechs. They would occasionally
1: charge you. Yeah. yeah. And there's also occasionally enemies that will, like enemy engineers, will, if you kill every enemy other than the engineer, they'll heal you. Or an enemy yeah. repair mech. If you kill every enemy other than the repair mech, it'll heal you, which is kind of nice. <laughs>
3: Um, I I remember fuel and damage management for mechs in that game was very annoying at one point. For a long time,
0: you can't heal.
3: I ended up stopping in the final level against um, Miang's mech, the Ophidian. Oh, God, that's I ran into a bottleneck involving my ability to level up versus my ability to actually fight.
1: Yeah, that's the hardest point in the entire game, that one fight right there. Oh,
3: yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly how far I got in that game.
1: So. You were so close, too. That's like right after that, the game actually opens up and becomes more fun again. Really? Oh. Yep. I wish that's my, the last fight. I wish,
3: to- my, I wish my save data hadn't
1: accidentally gotten erased after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad to hear. You had to plug through. Okay, basically, my will hit now. The first disc of this game is really great, it's awesome. And the second The second disc is the worst thing to ever happen to an RPG. This Was it they, they ran out
3: of, of time in development and so they actually took out a lot of the interstitial stuff between events and just had it narrated?
1: Yeah, it's so basically they ran out of budget and money. And thus the entire second game is just, you know they stopped t- showing you everything tell you what happens it's kind of this bad narration it, and they end
3: up it, Ellie sitting in a chair under a light talking about oh we did this and did this and then it cuts to an actual level yeah but it's a pretty small level
1: I mean, if you're lucky enough to get a level it's I mean yeah. sometimes there's just a fight or sometimes yes. people show a scene and then they just move past the scene or stuff like that I mean, it's, it eventually, eventually opens up at the very end of the game to, you get, you get back to the overworld, you get back to seeing the scenes fully, and you even get a bunch of side quests and such. So you can go do a lot of optional events, get the ultimate weapons, and unlock emeralds, adult form, and stuff like that. My bane of
0: RPGs or- of finishing the side quests right before the end game that I never <laughs> finished.
3: <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to have to actually try and go back, go back and play this one again. And it is it's a good kind of game. Japanese, but uh, well.
1: Hmm. I, I, mean, just I don't know. Like, I really, really, really hated that second disc. It's just a, a crime. Mm-hmm. Such a great game, isn't? It's not done. It's almost, This really Zero case is one of the most ambitious RPGs ever made, and it's just sadly isn't able to realize that own ambition because it's incomplete. The the
3: my inner saga fan commiserates. So speaking of another series that has constant problems with not being finished before they publish
1: it. <sighs> Ender series, yeah,
5: right.
1: that one has its own problems in addition to being. Involved. Yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> so,
3: but it, it's really annoying that that has to be an actual problem with a lot of games because I remember the entire Xenosaga series suffered from the same issue.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, the first game's half a game, really. And the second, and then the next game's the second half of that game, except you know bad. Yeah. And then they're missing the whole middle chunk, and then you get Episode Three, which is actually the first one that really works together. Dude, it's got to mention. terrible plot twist. My
3: review of the uh, DS version of Xenosaga 1 and 2, I had trouble telling where w- the first came in and then the second one began.
1: I don't blame you. It's
5: so random. Yeah.
3: I-, I had to just take it on everyone's word that if I was actually on a planet, then I must be in Xenosaga
5: 2.
0: <laughs> well, the problem with Xenosaga as well is it's like an interactive anime. You- there's some ports we just watched for a really long time and had no control over the game. Well,
3: you know, the-, the DS game was an interactive novel. Was it?
2: I, oh, re- yeah. I remember that too. I mean, I I'm not chipping in a whole lot because a, my backstory is I played this like a kajillion years ago and my memory isn't nearly as good as some of uh, some of y'all, so I want to let you do the all the talking, but uh, and I didn't play it all the way through, which doesn't help. But boy, do I remember those cut scenes. Yeah. <laughs> that's when well, that's when people told me were like, oh, when people were like telling me like, "Oh my gosh, so, you know you know, Saga has all of this uh, you know, cut scenes that go on forever." I'm like, well, didn't you play Xenogears? That's that's the pedigree here, you know.
1: Well, Xenogears isn't that bad. It's a, goes through a lot of tactics and talking, and then you get back to controls and such. Other than the Second Disc, which is oh god.
0: Another thing, yeah. is, Xenogears for those people who like Japanese RPGs with an open world. It is not. It is very linear.
1: It, yeah, it's got a few side quests at the very end, but it's a very linear game. Yeah. So yeah, those but, who may be
0: turned off by that, look elsewhere. But otherwise, it's solid.
1: Hmm. I mean, yeah, but this is really this is linear story focused RPG is really at its one of its best because it's the story is really worth it. It's really mm. complex interest.
5: Mm. Okay.
1: Also again, you know, this is a great game for Mecha fans because it's got a lot of cool robots. It throws mm-hmm. every random references from everything from you know the oldest robot ever, Gigantor, in the form of its mechs being a direct copy, all the way up to, you know, stuff like references to Macross when you get the super dimensional gear showing up.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And hmm And no, it's just also the fact that this game has all kinds of fun stuff like you know there's a, the mech battling, which is a total mini game, which is an action game, which it's an action 3D fighting game. It's just yeah. A oh this, yeah,
3: I remember that the I, only, I
1: only won that through sheer luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't really care too much for the battling; it was very clunky. Oh
1: yeah, yeah clunky. But I still find myself just loving to playing it a lot, just you know for fun's sake. I just or um, the uh, had uh, stuff like that. Oh, I just or played the, it. I get
3: like that a game. one ocean platforms town where you could actually play games of speed with random people the card game speed
1: i forgot that one yeah it was mm-hmm.
3: it was on the uh, it was on it looked like kind of like an oil rig platform that had been turned into a town and the leader was the walrus guy and i, I remember the the catchphrase we are men of the sea yeah i remember that sound clearly Yeah, and there was a card game there that he could play it was a variation of speed huh
1: I, mean, I remember the infernal rock-paper-scissors game that you know haunts me. that like, you can't beat it, even though it's, it's stupid to beat it. There's no point to beating it, but you don't. You've got such a limited window to beat it, and just I never have. And it's just oh, I gave ah. up
0: on that after like two or three tries. I was like, I oh, screw this. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, there's also stuff like the hide-and-seek. There's a lot of mini-games and a lot of random stuff like there's a weight stat for characters that eating food will raise or maybe lower your weight and i don't know if that even has a purpose it just yeah i don't know what the recorded. deal with
0: that was it's like alright you gained weight perfect and you could go talk to couldn't you talk to the doctor and says your weight is perfect or you're you're too thin or i don't know what it did I, i'm sure there might have been some reason but it escaped me as well
1: Yeah. <laughs> This game has an amazing amount of just random stuff in it like that. I mean, there's so much to do in the very first town, even though the first town, you know... It doesn't is,
3: survive much longer.
1: It doesn't survive much longer. It's like, that's one of my favorite things about the game, too. It's, like, it's opening is so perfect that it makes you fall in love with this town, which makes the fact it's about to blow it up, you know, far more effective than the long, long history RPGs have of blowing up towns that you're supposed to like, or your hometowns and stuff. Well, it
0: gives you that connection where you think, that's going to be the love interest of the game. It kind of tricks you and stuff, you know. Yeah, it makes you fun. Gone.
1: Yeah, It tells you, these are the main characters, these are the important characters, this is what the game's about. And then it just rips it all apart and completely shatters your expectations. Yep. It does it
0: throughout. Hmm.
2: Okay. So, any other final thoughts?
1: Um... Do you remember how hard this game was? It's been so long, I can't. I can't remember having much difficulty with it outside of a couple of trick and tough fights with the robots, especially late in the end. But I remember this being fairly straightforward difficulty wise. Yeah.
5: It's Mostly
3: I... straightforward, but occasionally had some of the bosses were pretty nasty jumps in difficulty. Uh, some Hope spikes. The and...
1: Yeah. I mean, this game has some really broken abilities it can give you across the game. The. Im- Like there's one optional, hard to find belt item which just completely breaks it in half, and there's a couple really powerful items and such. But uh, and and also, if you're
0: playing it like on the PSN, some of the the combo system and all that isn't all that uh, obvious and on how it works. So to someone that maybe doesn't know how to master that system and how all the you know the battle system works, I could see it being difficult.
1: And yeah. uh, some of the more technical stuff isn't really even needed to be to the game amazing yeah. enough. like the whole combo tech system I only use like twice in the game
0: but the whole uh, the, the the gauge with the the mechs and their you know their ultimate abilities when you can use that it's and you know, it just it just kind of happens unless you I could you know it wasn't a big problem for me but I could see some people also getting frustrated with it and not really sure because it doesn't really it doesn't hold your hand at all really with yeah
1: I mean you all I mean, the game doesn't even explain how to enter hyper mode, just yeah. at all. Right. But I mean, yeah, it's like other than a couple of problems like that, it, it's a fairly straightforward game, hmm. and it does also have some great music too. Oh and yeah, I really
0: like this game. I definitely like uh, the the some of them. You know, of course, are a bit repetitive and within their own track, but overall, it's yeah. definitely a, a very solid uh, soundtrack.
5: Yep.
3: I still have a couple of the. Uh, a couple of the tracks off of Xenogears Creed on a CD somewhere around here. Mm. Can't remember which ones. Oh, wh- one of them was the uh, the First Town's party song. Yeah, it was a remix of the First Town song mm. huh. with
0: uh, with lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you guys feel the the graphics stack up nowadays?
1: Ooh, uh, it's been a while since i've seen it but even at the time I didn't like some of the games' graphics <laughs> like it actually blends 2d and 3d pretty well that's not my problem it's just you know the field 2d sprites are really bad I never liked them
2: man yeah, they I mean, are the pretty, battle pretty it's... retching yeah yeah it, I mean,
1: playstation 3d
3: plus sprites and so there's there's only so far you can go with that combination
1: yeah I mean the Two D work in battles works pretty darn well, and I remember the, the mecha, you know, they looked good at the time. They probably hold up somewhat better than some of the things because they dedicate a lot of polygons to the robots. Mm-hmm. A lot more than, say, Wild Arms dedicates to its characters, but, I mean, it, it probably does. I mean, looking at some of the actual mechanical designs from, from the concept art I've seen online, just, they don't actually live up to, the kind of, up to the full style of the concept art really well at all. Kind of a shame. Yeah, some I like some of the
0: artwork, and some of it's pretty cool. But some of its other is just kind of ooh, it's that's pretty rough looking. It it, it it has its moments, and it has its its, its ugly parts as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you take in consideration it's a PS one game, I think among PS one games, it's, it's it fares fairly well. But uh, for those who can't stand the old graphics, it might be tough for some if they're for to play it for the first time. Yeah, yeah.
4: I've my experience with PS1 is more limited than most of you, but uh, the graphics just haven't aged well for the most part with me. Final Fantasy IX is sort of an exception, but that was pushing the PS1 pretty much to its limit.
2: Hmm. Okay, well, getting uh, getting it is pretty straightforward, because you can grab that off of the PlayStation Network for like I think it's like 10 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of the way to go these days in the 21st century. But if you really are dying to get that off the disc. Yeah, Phil, what about for all the collectors? You who know, just have to
4: get a brand new sealed copy.
2: For You got to have it brand new in the shrink wrap and. So you can smell it and just hug it really tight and keep it on your shelf. And, you know, I've been watching these videos where people are just collecting this stuff and just showing off their shelves. And, you know, God bless them. But I'll take the uh, I'll take the soft copy. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, if you if you want it, if you want it uh, used, then you'll get it for on disc. You'll grab it for anywhere between uh, 40 and uh, 60 bucks. If you Fine. want it brand Fine. new the shrink wrap. <laughs>
3: 500 or 800 yen if you don't mind a language problem
2: yeah. there you go uh you can get the uh greatest uh hits version for around 100 to 150 dollars and uh those square uh squaresoft millennium fiend fong Long edition whatever the hell that is is going for around <laughs> 300
0: actually this might be one of my other areas of expertise i'm a big time rpg collector very nice so uh you could probably. I think you can normally get the greatest hits for like twenty five thirty, and the black label for thirty five forty at the minute if you know where to look and you're patient. But they 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 have gone down. The PSN has really killed PS one prices lately uh, in the last year or so.
1: And, uh, and yeah, actually, I mean, for me, I don't, this is one of those few games I own that I should be interested in rebuying because this is my it's my favorite one of my favorite games. It's one of the few games I over owned which actually has damaged disc. So,
5: <laughs> and, uh, it's and, the
1: longest time that haunted me.
0: I actually downloaded it on PSN to play it again, and I own the copy of it. And my biggest reason for doing so is no load times, or very minimal load times. If you play the PS1 version, you're going to have load times.
1: Yeah, load times are bad. This PSN's version smooth.
0: Ooh, smooth like a good
2: cold bottle of beer. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, speaking of smooth, we're going to take a smooth break. And uh, we'll be right back with our blast from the recent past. off our blast in the recent past section where we pick one two or more games that came out about this time two years ago this time of the year two years ago and we discuss them there's a whole bunch of games that, that came out around this town uh,
3: what's that i'm gonna have to bow because i haven't actually played any of these games
2: oh well you can bow out if you like or you can stick around for the final lap where we get to talk about just about anything um <laughs> I'll catch the work soon. So. oh well if you gotta go, you gotta go. Thank you for being on the show, Mr. Baker. Everybody give him a round of applause. Yay!
1: Yay.
2: All righty. So uh today I'm gonna talk about we're uh, gonna talk about something. ZHP Unlosing Rager versus Dark Death, which came about uh came out about two years ago. Um and uh and uh that's a pretty cool uh, uh, and uh, Mr. Schlothen is going to talk about uh, Four Heroes of Light. So uh, I'll kick off with uh, with ZHP and we'll see where that goes. So ZHP was developed by Nippon Itchy Software, published by NIS America, released on your PlayStation Portable handheld device on October 26, 2010. This is a tactical, roguelike, RPG single-player experience brought to you by One Pretty UMD disc or available on the playstation network through their download service so zhp unlosing ranger versus dark death evil man it's not only really hard to say 10 times in a row really quick but it's also a hard game to beat but not too hard um you know roguelikes roguelikes are definitely uh, definitely somewhat of a uh Someone, someone of those, uh, one of those things that's going to be a a personal preference. Some people love them, some people hate them. Uh, One of the reasons why people tend to hate um, roguelike games is is their difficulty, and the second reason being that in roguelikes, usually when you die, uh, you either die permanently, you have to start all the way over at the beginning, or at the very least, there's a really huge penalty, such as stripping you of all your levels or letting you uh, maybe uh, keep some of your equipment, but getting rid of everything else. Uh, ZHP is very interesting in that uh, in that yes, when you die, you will lose all your levels. However, uh, that's just uh, the, the current level of your character. Um, there's He's basically got an overall level however, that uh, so slowly accumulates the more you play and uh, that does help to improve your stats overall. So even though you may die, uh, you will get to keep that. You'll be able to keep uh, whatever items you sent back to your base. Uh, there are some permanent accumulations and growth uh that you're gonna get no matter whether or not you survive the dungeon or not and that really helps to take off some of the sting of death and uh some of the pain of roguelikes that a lot of people don't like now with zhp unlosing ranger versus dark man undeath or evil man whatever he's called um (laughs) dark death evil man what's really cool too is you got uh nis america's uh Panage for adding in a whole bunch of game mechanics and growth mechanics, uh, character customization mechanics uh, that you can use and abuse to make your character really, really powerful. Um, oh boy, is there so many ways I kind of lose track, but I mean aside from items that you can equip and skill points you'll be able to allocate, there's this one, and I don't even know what the proper terminology is for in the game, but there's this one room that you can go into in your base where you'll see your character, your, your you know, your hero laid out on a table and you'll be able to install items on his various parts of his body uh like you're ingraining it on his dna or something like that and that will give him permanent stat boost and then you use other items to redirect power to increase those stat boosts. it's, it's just crazy you can spend hours just fooling around with that and looking for ways to uh make your character you know more powerful and more awesome and super super cool the uh, um, on top of that you've got, gosh, you can level up your base you can level up the people in your base I think uh, <laughs> you can level up the items, you can save items on the side and, and use them for certain dungeon runs and such uh, there's just so many different ways you can go about this uh, and very much like the Disgaea series, there is it's split up, I believe into 12 acts and there's this really kind of cool story going on, the, the game takes place primarily on Earth Uh, And an alternate version of Earth that's known as like Bizarro Planet or Earth or something like that. The the two planets and their residents are are linked into matters in such a way that when someone on Earth experiences uh, something, uh, their Bizarro Earth counterpart will feel the same thing and vice versa. So floating above Bizarro Earth is a space station called the Hero Training Facility, which is maintained by the World Hero Society. Um, At this facility, heroes are trained by traveling through dungeons on Bizarro Earth and solving the personal problems of local residents, thus preventing potential disasters on real Earth. Yeah, that's where you, you know, you come in, and, and don't ask me exactly how, but by going through these dungeons, you're helping these people. You're helping to face their uh, uh, demons in Bizarro Earth. Uh, you're you're facing their inner demons, and once you fix and conquer those through the dungeons, well, on regular Earth, suddenly their life just comes together. It sounds really whack. It is. This is this is NIS after all, uh, but it actually is, it, it can be uh, very very fun. Uh, I actually enjoyed the story, which normally, especially in a roguelike game, all you care about is the gameplay and getting through dungeons and leveling up and grinding up your character, uh, But then, um, or just trying to get through the really difficult dungeons. Uh, but uh, in this one, the, the storyline is actually very uh, impressive um if i had a if i had a little bit of uh and the character by the way the main character you're playing um uh, your main character i forget if he has a name or if you just give him whatever name you want or whatever the deal is um he's a he inherits a a special morphing belt sounds like the power rangers or something like that and becomes the absolute victory unlosing ranger as a result um, at the same time uh, Dark Death Evilman is trying to take over, I forget which earth or planet or whatever have you, but you're initially uh, too weak to fight him so you end up getting sent to the the space station where you're going to help these people solve problems by going through dungeons uh, this makes total sense, and doing so become more powerful until you can uh, beat uh, the, the, the main bad guy He's pretty silent throughout the game, so he doesn't he doesn't really do a whole lot. But that's okay. I'm, I'm you know I was playing it more to find out what was kind of going on with the with the other characters uh, as well. So there's a little bit more to the story than that, but it, it was pretty cool. You have to go play for yourself to find out uh, some more. Uh, the only the only as far as the gameplay goes, I really enjoy it. It's a roguelike. every time you move, all the enemies are going to move. Every time you act, all the enemies are act. If you stand there, the enemies are going to stand there. Uh, so uh, very much like you know going all the way back to NetHack, the game. Gameplay is pretty much uh, pretty much to say. Um, you're going to go through uh, levels of dungeon, and each chapter you're going to fight a, a boss that's going to have some weird mechanics or gimmicks at the end. Uh, like one of them had cannons uh, that launch play, you know, that launches you to random locations on the current floor. In fact, that was one of the cool things. Is each chapter you go through uh, is each world the gameplay could become pretty repetitive pretty quickly. But each world does have different themes to it, and they do have different mechanics in it. So that helps to freshen up. Most of it is kind of superficial, but um, it's enough to keep it mixed up and to keep you from getting too bored uh, too quickly. So um, that, that was pretty cool um the only the only critique I had about it was that for the most part I was going through most of the chapters okay but when you get to those last couple of boards before you fight the big bad boss the and this is <laughs> this is my major criticism properly against most of the justke games and, and the such that I played but uh the the difficulty so to speak or the levels of the monsters whatever you want to call it just skyrockets so before you do those last few boards you really do need to at that point if you weren't doing it before uh you you need to really do some major uh, grinding and especially getting into the, the systems that the game provides that uh, make your character stronger and taking advantage of those major and that's kind of the illusion it's the same problem with Scale 1 is that you can get through most of that game without with ignoring a lot of these op, these systems uh, that are available in the game to the player to make them stronger. They almost come across as optional until you get to the end. And then you yeah you realize you, you kind of need to pay attention to them and go back and, and work on those so, uh, and grind up some and get some cool items to make your character even better and the such. Uh, I can't do this game justice as far as describing all the different subsystems that are there to help make your character better and to improve him and stuff. But it is really, really, really cool. Um, you have to go out and try it for yourself. And don't just take my work for it. take, Zach Wellhouse's word for it. He did our official RP gamer review. God bless him for actually beating the game. Uh, he gave it a, a four out of five. Said there's lots of ways. He says the same thing I had, I did, which is there's lots of ways to customize the Unlosing Ranger and make him really cool and really powerful. And the localization is just spot on. It is one of the few games that made me laugh out loud. And I don't laugh out loud very I'm a jokester myself, so um, it, it takes quite a few, you know, good jokes to make me laugh. And that's what ZH does. Um, there's some really good parts in there that are really, really funny, especially if you're kind of into the corny Power Rangers, you know, superhero type of genres that are out there. The, the you know, the Dungeon Delves he mentions are, can be kind of mindless at times. Um... But, um, but if you've played NIS games, you've kind of gotten used to the number juggling and grinding uh, that their games bring to the table. And it is a bit faster than Disque and the such. So if you're used to those games, uh, you'll have no problem with this one because you're just playing one character and you're kind of uh, tearing through. Uh, the game, he says, looks good um, and is especially a, a treat to listen to. I don't remember the music too well, but sure, whatever. Um, but uh, he liked the humor. So you'll want to check out his review at rpgamer.com. It is one of those games that will make you just want to play for one more level before you go to bed. Uh, and, yeah, it, it's pretty fun and addicting. And one of the few games that I actually got all the way to the end of. So that, that says something of it, uh, in and of itself. So, ZHP, Unlosing Ranger, get it for your PSP today for, like, I don't know, 5 bucks or something, 10 bucks probably. So check it out. Now, let's see here. I think we got one in our game we want to talk about today, don't we, Mr. Schlothend?
1: Yeah, yeah, What talk about uh, uh...
2: Mr. Schlothen today is going to talk about
1: <laughs> yes, the four wanted...
2: heroes of light, from what yes. I understand. Final Fantasy.
1: I, I can point. chime
4: in briefly, but I think your memories are a lot stronger of the game than mine, so have at it,
3: Nathan.
2: Well, let's make okay. sure we give it a proper introduction first. Final Fantasy, the four heroes of light, was developed by Matrix and Square Enix, published by Square Enix, Brought to you on your Nintendo DS in North America on October the 5th, 2010. Came out in Japan almost a whole year earlier. This is a single-player and multiplayer RPG experience for your Nintendo DS system. Now you can take it away. Go,
1: Nate. Okay, well, I mean, I think you already took most of our time for this. this, this oh, go, project, go ahead. We got plenty so... of
2: time. Plenty of time. No rush. Okay,
1: so I'll just try to go over it as quickly as I can, though. Um, basically, 4 hairs of light, it's basically the what-if scenario of Final Fantasy taking a very different route after some point. I believe in one interview, the creator of this game basically said, you know, he worked on Final Fantasy 3 and this is like his imagination of a different way things could have gone instead of Final Fantasy 4. And so thus we get this game, which is very... This is basically an old-school Final Fantasy game repackaged in a very cute New form. It's
4: Yeah, don't don't let the cuteness fool you because that will allow you to get your butt kicked repeatedly. It is not
1: yeah.
4: it is not as easy as it might look.
1: No, it's not easy really at all. But this game is basically, you know, classic Final Fantasy in the most classic form. You've got a job system, you've got four characters whose main distinguishing factors that they've been the main distinguishing factors that they've been chosen by a crystal. This crystal gives them jobs and thus they must use these jobs to go out and do whatever it is they're doing. Kind of meander around for a while, break up into different subgroups, keep changing partners and halfway through the game Yeah, is... i,
4: I yeah. remember it you start out with all four people more or less and then they break apart for a long time before getting back together.
1: Yeah, basically half the game is them all blanding off two different groups.
4: Which are sometimes made up of just one person because somebody got incapacitated.
1: Yeah, or got incapacitated or they just split up because, you know, they just hated each other or they just messed up or something. It's kind of random. The game's kind of very lighthearted and funny. I mean, uh, it's just a couple of people around
4: here I understand call it Final Fantasy Hat Collection because of the nature
1: of the jobs. Or Fall Fantasy Chibis or something like that. Yeah. It's just cute characters with lots of crazy hats because all their jobs are hats. (laughs) The game calls them crowns, but they're just big fancy hats. And a crown is, in fact, a hat well yes i know but these are not they, they, like are hoods and there's caps and there's masks there's a couple crowns and there's a crown that makes your hair big that's kind of my most <laughs> am- one of the most amuses me there's a that's got, the main character brandt has got very short hair but when he puts on this crown he gets cloud hair
4: i don't remember that Yes. <laughs> yeah I do remember that this is a very buff-heavy battle system, where if yeah. you don't bother to buff, then you're going to get your butt kicked in battle. Yeah,
1: this game is all about the buffs. It's basically, every class gets four abilities. So you unlock as you use gems to upgrade your crowns. And these abilities, you do lots of things, and most of them are buffs. For example, the healer gets a buff, which lets them then use their healing on everyone. Kind of like Xenogears, actually. That's how Satan uses his healing. But... Um, and that's
4: very handy, especially when, you know,
1: enemies are hitting everybody. <laughs> yep, enemies are hitting everybody all the time. Hard. Or you get, for example, a buff which lets you, you know, double your elemental resistance, which is kind of handy considering you have already have elemental resistance. That means most attacks won't hurt you since every attack in this game is elemental. After the very first weapons, every weapon you get sell elemental, every spell you get sell elemental, except like a couple of really weak ones and the <laughs> strongest one. And every enemy, attack enemy will throw at you is elemental so elements are big. And there's a class that's all about buffing your elemental damage and reducing how much elemental damage you take, which kind of comes in handy.
4: Yes, it does. If you walk in there with the wrong setup or with the wrong tactic, then you will probably die inside of one or two turns. And if you yep. know
1: exactly what you're getting into, then you'll cruise through it. Yeah, for example, in the case of how powerful buffs are, like one class is it gives a buff to itself, which means as long as this buff is active, using an item will not use up the item, which means you can throw out elixirs if you want freely for those few turns. Just be careful, considering you've got limited inventory, the really good items are rare, and if you use it, you forget when the buff turns off and use item anyways, you're <laughs> out the item, you'll never get it back. Yeah, there's that risk. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's, you know, all kinds of buffs. I mean, one of the best classes in the game just gives buffs to everyone. Bards are awesome in this game. Musicians are the other bard, and they're also awesome. My final battle team was had a musician and a bard. Kind of like final Fantasy 3 that way. My Falfancy 3 I beat only because I had a bard on the team. Yeah. Go Bards! Um, yeah, at least it doesn't make you go through a
4: two-hour dungeon in order to get to the final boss like Final Fantasy III did.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing is Final Fantasy III. I like Final Fantasy III, but that dungeon was way too long with no safe points.
4: And it had dragons which wanted to eat. And they wouldn't take no for an answer because dragons were like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Um. I- I don't remember having too difficult a time with this once I got into the groove, but that's because yeah, than, I I tried to pay attention all the time too.
1: Yeah, I mean, other than the one fight, the fight, the first fight against the, in the second half of the game against Asmodeus, one of the major bosses, I, I didn't have too much problems with the game. I mean. Final battles are kind of tricky again. This game can be kind of hard. Because, you know, the balance is weird in this game. It, it, attacks do a lot of damage. Heal, you've got lots of healing. Enemies, are characters are really fragile. If they die, they're hard to bring back. Abilities can be very inaccurate. It, balance is weird. It can be kind of tricky. It's not at all like a normal Final Fantasy game in, in any real respect, other than it's got a job system. But it is also Although a lot it, of It fun. is like 3 in
4: that bringing people back from death is really hard. Yeah, there's that. So don't let him fall down. You will regret it immensely.
1: Yeah. There's also, this game has an interesting system of basically you've got AP points. It's, if every, at the beginning of every turn, you gain an AP point. You can either choose to build them up by just not using your current one and gaining this bonus one. But other than that, every attack you do will use up AP. Basic attack, one AP. Spells, one to five AP, depending on spell. Well, two Yeah,
4: I remember this now. Usually, if you want to use your biggest spells, then you have to spend a couple turns not doing anything, letting the AP gather.
1: Yep. And in addition to the buffing. In addition to the buffing. If you have a dancer, it helps out a lot, and there's other things. Uh, also, equipment is a big deal. You need really powerful weapons to get anywhere. There's, the game has got like, a couple problems. problems. Like, there's some hidden statistics it doesn't tell you about that are really important, which is kind of annoying. Uh, but it's also really cool in that you know every class can equip any uh, any weapon or armor and use any spell. I mean, they're not all as good at it, which is one of the annoying hidden statistics, but anyone can still equip anything, which is kind of fun. There's a limited inventory, which would be a lot better if the game had a better interface, but it doesn't, sadly, because it's a all bad interface choices in this game.
4: And I'm sure the developers would just say that they were trying to be true to the spirit of the old-school RPG, and that's somewhat accurate. Because yeah. inventory was usually a pain in the butt back in those days.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just a couple of interesting strategic choices, but um, just the fact you have to p- select which of your abilities you actually have equipped, which based <laughs> off your items as well, it, it's a mess. I hate it. It's kind of a m- mar on an otherwise great game. This game is also fun because it's got some utterly ridiculous, or broken spells. The most powerful white magic spell in any fall fantasy game ever is in this one. It just breaks the game in half. Of course, you kind of need to break the game and have to beat these bosses, but that's a different story.
4: Yeah, I remember the final boss. I think I took it on the first shot, but it definitely gave me a run for
1: my money. Yeah, it's like I barely beat the first form of the final boss the first time I fought it and got killed in the second form, and only when I came back, I realized that a third form I didn't even really see. That was actually much <laughs> harder, but I beat that the first try, since so I actually had a good party setup that time.
4: Yeah, I don't even remember exactly how I did it. I just remember I was stuck in the car at the time doing something with my dad, and thus. The ability, my ability to take down the boss was considerably constrained because uh, I was only able to fight it in quick snatches between whatever it was I was doing with my dad. Yeah, that
1: must have made keeping track of buffs hard. <laughs>
5: but I yeah. somehow did it.
4: Maybe, maybe I should fight in a distracted form more often. <laughs>
1: yeah well overall it's kind of a messy game it's not a perfect game it's got a lot of little things that are going to annoy you but it's also at its core very fun it's, it tries to be a lot of fun i mean it doesn't take itself very seriously at all and it's got likable characters which is a nice plus
4: it does yeah and the, the
1: visuals definitely don't
4: hurt it there yeah i mean it's like, in, an interesting cell shaded look almost
1: yeah it's 3D... I mean, it's 3D graphics on the DS, which doesn't usually work out very well, but it makes it look pretty and nice. Which...
4: Well, Matrix did a pretty good job of working with the DS, not making it look, you know, like an
1: eyesore. Yeah. I mean, this game has Matrix's usual problem with bad dungeon design, but... I mean, Although in, the f-
4: in the case of the previous Final Fantasies, there probably wasn't much Matrix could do with that.
1: Well, I mean, they zoomed in the camera too much, which really hurt obviously 4DS, but... There's really... that, yes. It means you... Can pro- you will
4: probably blunder right into the end of a dead end before you finally figure out that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, don't want to complain about the dungeon design too much considering I've been going through Fantasy Star 2 recently for the first time. I just beat Fantasy Star for the first time really recently. And, oh, God, that redefines how much I hate dungeons. I hate Lucky dungeon you, so Fantasy
4: Star 2.
1: The no. game
4: that makes you write your own maps or else you'll
1: regret it. I just... You know, wander around aimlessly for a while, then you can get a map from online. I, because they're hard to draw in Fantasy Star 2. In Fantasy Star 1, I could draw them. You know, they're straight lines and everything. Yeah, first-person
4: dungeons are hard to make, really complex. But
1: Until Fantasy Star I 2s?
4: Fantasy final Star Dun- 2s are massive.
1: Yeah, the first dungeon of Fantasy Star 2 is as bad, big and annoying as the final dungeon of Fantasy Star 1. And that was pretty big and annoying.
4: I made it all the way to Desolus in Fantasy Star Two, and then I just kind of gave up. So go as far as you can, Nathan, but don't feel compelled to complete it if it becomes just too ch- too much of a chore.
1: I don't know. I, I beat Fantasy Star One. I'm trying to keep this going. I don't know if I'm going to do Fantasy Star Three though. That one looks pretty bad.
0: I hear a lot. Of- that's, that's the one me. to skip if you're going to skip one. It-
1: okay.
4: Honestly, because it's short and relatively easy, I don't necessarily say skip it. Sure, it's not very good at all, but it does have ideas that are interesting, and you don't see much even now, even if it doesn't execute them well at all. Okay. So at least sample it. You might feel like continuing, because it is pretty short, at oh, yeah. least compared to the first two. Oh, yeah. And, and nice. aside from aside from the battle music, I remember being awful. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't have a big problem with it.
5: Uh, okay. Four.
4: Well, yes. Four blows, in my opinion, all the the other three out of the water.
5: Yeah,
1: that's good to know. I just wanted to, you know, beat one, at least one and two first, since I know four <laughs> is heavily built on the previous games. At least I've heard it was. Yeah, I think this is enough enough for this particular diversion. We should probably get back to at least. Yeah, we did the Fantasy Star episode a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, sorry I couldn't uh, chime in too much. I hadn't played either of those games you guys discussed. (laughs) I do, I do have them on my shelf. They're in that uh, infinite backlog I was talking about earlier.
1: Ah, the evil backlog. Well,
4: lately I've just come to the decision that since I'll never be able to get through it, I just have to start picking and choosing, and things that I'll never be able to play. I'll that's stick on the shelves forever.
0: That's basically what I've done. The problem is, you get to the where you want to play that same game you like, but you haven't played it in eight ten years. And instead of trying a new game, I've I've done that a few times as well.
1: I mean, yeah, it's like uh, that's for me. Like, fantasy Star One and Two have been on my backlog for you know I I own the Game Boy Advance cartridge and that's what I'm playing it on, so that's how long I've had it. And I just really started just now, and I finally got to it, even though I'm still trying to be, beat Xenoblade.
4: Okay, if you played it on GBA, then there's no reason not to try three. If you suffered through the, this, the occasional save bug that happens in one on GBA, yeah, at least try that.
1: three, see what happens. Okay. i can get four off a of virtual console. I'm done with one and two, at least, I think. <laughs> Beat's trying to get the original cartridge. That's a really <laughs> pricey one now.
4: Yeah, it's about, what if you want
0: it uh, with the little case, it's like forty fifty bucks. I think. Yeah, because
4: that's after Sega switched to the stupid cardboard boxes that
0: are yep. so easy to break. I do have one, but I, I like playing on the original the original console in that regard with the carts. You don't have to <laughs> worry about load times with the PS One games and the Saturn games.
1: Not as much a problem for me, considering you know I don't have a Genesis, so it's not even an option.
2: <laughs> Four Heroes of Light is going for about <laughs> ten to fifteen dollars.
0: Wait, were we talking about that? I okay. know,
2: yes. <laughs> you guys should save all this interesting stuff for the final lap.
0: No, well, we'll kind of we'll, we'll merge them together.
2: No, no, there's no merging. <laughs> there, no, no, the two shall never meet.
0: New guy has new ideas.
2: No, new guy gets kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> we just cut the string. No. No. Mm. All righty. Yeah, if
4: you have to keep coming up with new ideas, Phil will keep coming up with bad puns. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> oh. Or maybe even he'll come up with a good pun if there is such a thing. Oh, jeez.
1: Well, here's a... If there's such a thing as a good pun, I've yet to see one, even though I've made so many unintentional bad puns. So many. Oh,
2: goodness gracious. All righty. We're going to take another tiny break and we'll come back to wrap this up with the final app.
0: more new ideas you should change the final lap to like final boss version three or something
5: no (laughs) third incarnation everything on the back
2: track has like a racetrack theme have you not you know we have like the main event we've got like blast from the back okay i don't know how that ties in we got the final (laughs) lap and 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 we have like race trail at the beginning of the show now it it, it does like a three you know a countdown like you're doing like you're about to go to you know watch a race like three two one go you know so it's awesome
0: Okay, okay. It,
2: it's great. So this is the final lap where, well, let's see, we read your comments for last show. We talk about the next show and then we spend, apparently, according to the last show, we spend incredible amounts of time talking about everything else that we just feel like talking about. You just There's just no rhyme or reason to it. So, uh, let's see on the last show. We've got, uh, we've got a few comments. Now, episode uh, 82 was the last episode where, uh, we talked about some Shin Megami Tensei Digital Devil Saga games. And, um, We did indeed. And Shaman mentions that at the time, at least when she posted this a few days ago, that there was a PSN sale on Personas this week. Is that coincidental? You know what, Shaman? I've got an answer for that. I don't think it was coincidental. I mean, obviously, the the boys and girls at Atlas, they listened to the backtrack. And, you know, they, they heard us talking about it, and, and they don't have, I don't think, Digital Devil Sega on, on, on the PSN, but they do have Persona games. And so I say, you know what? We've got to put this bad boy on sale in honor of the fact that we at RP Gamer have taken the time out to talk about their games. I think that was bloody sporting of them. And Drizzle said, I will be picking these games up. Thank you for the heads up. Well, there, there you go. See, that? that's what we do here. We are helping to stimulate the economy. We are keeping things moving. We are we are walking forward hand in hand with Obama.
0: But didn't he just spoil help. it all for himself? What's that? Didn't he just spoil them all for himself though? Well, probably yeah.
2: He probably spoiled them all. <laughs> yeah. Well,
4: well, you never know. Some people have very bad short-term memories, and once they play the game, will just go. You know, I thought I heard something about this, but I've forgotten all of it. It's like new to me
2: now.
0: He had one of face split personalities. <laughs>
2: So, well, you might have split personality when you hear that our next backtrack is going to be about not one, not two, but three Suikoden games, each one featuring 108 characters called 1-800-108 stars in the heavens. I know I get split personality syndrome every time I play Suikoden game. There's just, <laughs> there's just too many people to keep up with.
0: So are we, when we do the uh, the discussion of them, are going to go down every character in each game?
2: Yes. During the character session, all the right. participants are required to talk about all 108 <laughs> stars of destiny for each of the are three games. So we're talking about 324 characters. Kind of. <laughs> there, there <are laughs> Not quite. There are a
4: few recurring ones. Yeah. Okay. Especially between one and two.
2: Maybe uh, <laughs> about
0: 280 characters, 275.
2: Uh, there you go. All right. Well, I'm sure somebody will Google Google that for us and and tell us, you know, set us straight there. Shoot. All right. So let's uh, let's do some um, let's do some pimpage. I'm all about pimpage. This is where you guys get to talk about. And you can talk about whatever you want. You can talk about your own websites. You can talk about what's going on in your life. You can talk about what games you're playing or whatever you want. You got the floor. So what are we going to do? We're going to talk to Shlothan go.
1: Uh, okay, I guess I might as well share a bit what I did this last weekend, which is I went to something called the Serial Hack, a hackathon thing at a nearby place called Hacker Lab in, here in my hometown of Sacramento. Uh, basically, it's just a bunch of people from random startup companies and technical fields just got together to make some random stuff—websites, clocks, that kind of thing. Had some prize money. It's a lot of fun. It was just spent, you know, more. Than, twice 27 hours working on this stuff. Some people even slept there. It was a lot of fun. I helped to make a video game. Like, the first one I ever helped to make. Which nice. Mm-hmm. And just met a lot of cool people. Really a lot of fun. So yeah, Hacker Lab, cool. Also, I want to do a quick shout out to the people who helped me there. So there There's some people who are, do a small startup game company called nah Games. They're awesome. They're going to be just thinking cool in the future, but they're not, doing nothing really they want to announce yet, so I can't talk about it. Uh, that's NAH Games. Look forward to them, maybe. Mm. That's all.
2: Sweet. Uh mister Mr. Mr 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 Gumby Stringy person. Gumby. Well when I think of stringy people I think of Gumby. You know? I mean he's a very flexible type of guy. You could you can stretch him out, he'd look like a piece of string.
0: It's, it's quite a stretch there, isn't it? Uh-huh. Ooh, snap. Uh, <laughs> you better watch me. it.
2: My cat likes strings.
0: <laughs> well, just happens, we just got a new puppy, so I will sick my boxer puppy on your cat and defend me. Mm. But uh, that's that's one thing we recently did, and uh, we might be glutton for punishment as my mm. wife is very, very pregnant right now, and she's due in about a month, month and a half. So we're going to have two babies to take care of, and everyone tells tells is telling us how bad of an idea it is. So. To have kids? I, well, <laughs> to, to have gotten this dog. Right as we're about to have a kid. And it'll be our first one. So. That's
2: a bad idea. What were you thinking?
0: Yeah, I know. You just pile it on, pile it on.
2: Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> did, did you say she was having twins or triplets or something? No,
0: no, no. no, no.
2: Okay, because the more I drink, the more kids she's having. <laughs> just, just saying. No. You're making me remember Lady and the Tramp right now. Don't give the dog short strip because you got
4: a baby.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to create a new Disney sad movie with dogs and...
4: So long as it's a new one and not a sequel to Lady of the Tramp, because we've already had enough of those.
0: <laughs> but other than that, uh, I was playing Xenogears, and now I get to see what else I'm going to play next. Maybe one of the upcoming Backtrack episodes in the next couple months. or No, okay, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition is coming out in a couple weeks. I'm going to have a hard time prying myself away from that during the December month of December. Anyone else looking into playing that? No? Crickets?
2: cricket bill well i'm not playing no Zeno beers. i have no oh, talking about balder's gate Baldur's- i'm not edition. playing no oh come- yeah well i'll see how enhanced yeah. it really is <laughs> yeah we- oh you you wait, wait 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 let me understand this straight stringy you come on this show <laughs> did you not listen to at least the last three dozen episodes before you came on so that you'd be prepped
0: <laughs> last three dozen episodes about ex- what exactly?
2: Three dozen episodes. The last three dozen. <laughs> so you were prepped because because then you would already know me kind of inside and out and know my feelings about this subject.
0: So about remaking games. About yeah. Baldur's
2: Gate specifically.
0: I thought you liked it though.
2: Well, it's okay, but it's not uh, la creme de la creme. See, I would have loved to see them come up with a new HD, totally new remake of the Gold Box series.
0: Oh yeah, we discussed this before, but
2: There you go. That would have made me happy. Yeah.
0: And you and about five other people would play it.
2: Okay, that's all that matters. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's just wrong, and I'll tell you why that's wrong because
0: I like those games. I do. I would play. Well, them. I, I know, but to, uh,
2: I'm not I'm not saying you don't like them, but but you made a comment And I'm going to have to call you out on it. You said me and five other people. And let me just point out to you that Shadowrun and uh, Wastelands, both of which are going to be tactically based, turn-based RPG affairs on Kickstarter, went well above their goals, indicating that there is indeed a marketable audience for turn-based, not some pseudo real-time combat bastardization. Of our beloved D and D pen and paper role playing system, which is the system that is Baldur's Gate.
0: Well, I'm a backer of both of those games, and I highly anticipate their release. Then again, they only what forty, fifty thousand backers. So, I, I mean, don't it's...
2: care if it's one backer; someone's paying a lot of money because they they both got like a bunch of bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for those games. So,
2: no, I'm stoked.
0: She'll see, but
2: I'm stoked. I mean I, I don't know of anybody who's like, oh my god, I love Baldur's Gate because of the combat system. It's always about the story and the characters, and I'm not really sure what redoing it with slightly better graphics or HD graphics <laughs> or whatever have you is really going to bring to the table. I mean well, it, you, it's really the story I and the characters. The but, but, that, but, the, but the, the combat is not what drove people to Baldur's Gate, and improving the combat doesn't change the underlying mechanics of what made that game. Com- it didn't
0: combat. bring people to it, but it didn't kill the game either. I no, no, well,
2: well, because the, the story and the characters were so bloody awesome. You could, have, you could have thrown that thing in with Final Fantasy I battle systems, and people wouldn't have cared because the story and the characters were so, you know, uh, you know uh, nerdgasm great. Everybody remembers Boo. Everybody remembers, you know, the characters. Everybody remembers, you know, the story more or less. Eh, nobody cares about the battle system. And
0: Everybody, the world and...
2: Yeah, yeah, all of that's really great. But, I mean, putting it in high def and updating it a little bit doesn't really add or change or, or take well, away from that. Well, they've added some new
0: stuff. They've added... it. Well, for those who haven't done the Baldur's Gate trilogy, you know, mods and all that, it, Baldur's Gate now is going to play like Baldur's Gate 2. It's going to... The engine is coming over. So that's a, a vast upgrade. You get all the character kits you get the uh, uh you get the higher resolution you get the uh the better ui the ui if you try to play it now is so terrible and uh they they've added some new characters they've added some new dungeons i mean you get that stuff and then you uh
2: if you told me that you were going to add three more chapters to the story, like significantly add to the to the story and the character development, add you know four characters that that deep characters, not just you know a yeah, couple they're adding of two new characters D
0: characters with their own side quests and uh, you, know, you the, know each character adventure, then they're adding like a, a dungeon. I guess since it is the final lap, I'll plug. I, I also do am a co host for the the dot podcast, and I did an interview with Trent Oster on this very subject about his Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition remake and he was one of the original uh, developers for it. So, those are interested could go listen there. But he, he, he answers a lot of these good questions about what, what you can expect and what's going to be in it and all that fun yeah. stuff and I, I had a good time. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I'm really excited for it. I It's one of those I played a long time ago and it's been a long time since i played played the game.
5: Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and neither of you other, neither of you other two have played it? Oh yeah. I don't no, Mike those, those two, I don't, f- I don't think so. No, no,
4: I, I haven't played much PC stuff, mostly because I didn't own my own PC until I was an adult, and at that point, I mostly used for other things instead of gaming. So I have to pick and choose now.
0: Well, they, they have also, they're also putting it on the iPad. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm gonna wait to see that one. <laughs> hey, well, I'm fun thing. I, I'm a Mac guy, but I, I don't own an iPad. I don't intend to get an iPad anytime soon. I my iPhone you know, really is four and a th- half. Good. Yes, I, I don't know. I've never played the original Baldur's Gate or anything. I've never been, you know, terribly interested in it either. So I just this isn't I, not on my radar at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a well. I mean, it's a super great. It's a super great story. Uh, well, the story is pretty good. Uh, I should say it's super great characters and their interactions are just absolutely positively classic. If you play the game, there's going to be quotes uh, from those characters. There's going to be moments in their interactions that you're just you know you're just not going to forget. They're absolutely positively one hundred percent memorable. Uh, you know, so that that part is is really, really, you know, is really cool, and, and it was so good that even people who didn't connect with the D and D system and the battle mechanics underneath of it uh, plow through them because they want to see more interactions between the characters. They want to see what's going to happen next. They want to see, you know, how the story was going to end up. I mean, it was just that powerful, and this is what I mean. This is really what put uh, Bioware on the map more than anything else because it was just so it was just so well done. I think Yeah, it was absolutely epic. I just question now for all those people who've played the story before. Yeah, it's going to sell very much like the Star Wars re-releases, you know, sells. But, you know, will it be, you know, will it be something that I'm super, you know, it's kind of like when I got the Star Wars trilogy on DVD. I was like, yeah, I was going to put it in. Okay. <laughs> I already knew that was going to happen. It just, yeah. it isn't. Mm. But we'll see. I'm a little bit but of a you nasa. get to
0: re-roll with a new class and and pick up NPCs that you may not have had your party in your first playthrough, so you're gonna get a different experience. So it's gonna be hard not having like Minx and Jahira and all that in the party.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and and I mean, an enhanced interface will will certainly help. But I mean, I I think you're also at the same time you're gonna find that the twenty and this is the this is why you don't see these games being sold wholesale. As you mentioned before, there's not a, a metric ton of people who are dying to play really deep tactical you know, RPGs with pen and paper underpinnings. And that's why future games like, uh, you know, Knights of the Old Republic started to do it, and then it went on with Mass Effect and the such, where they just totally shedded those things. Dragon Age <laughs> threw them all out the window.
0: Yeah, so, but Dragon, I mean, Dragon Age play is really similar for those who maybe, like, are attracted to Dragon Age, the PC version, not the console version.
2: But they're not uh, nearly, Dragon Age isn't nearly as deep as a, as a pen and paper. It's deep, but it's not, it's definitely deeper than, let's say, Final Fantasy, but you know, compared to the pen and paper, compared to Baldur's Gate where I mean Baldur's Gate literally had a 150 page instruction book that came with it I mean you really had to understand how to build a character using D&D rules to get the most out of that game there was just no way around it Dragon Age uh, you you know all the descriptions for most of what you needed was right there in the game it wasn't 150 pages of deepness and that was okay because you know the modern 21st century audience Anyways, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see whether uh, a lot of people pick this up just for nostalgia's sake. They start playing and realize, oh, it's the same story again, and they don't really get through it or get too far. Or if it does somehow bring in a new breed of of players into this genre, I'm, I'm very well, yeah, I don't know if it's going to do that.
0: I did ask him that: is that How how you going to, you know, market this to the the teens and the lower twenties who didn't grow up with this game?" Why, you know, why, why? And he said that's a it's an interesting question. It's going to be something they're going to work on. He's hoping, I think they're hoping that putting it on the iPad and portable devices is going to help bring that crowd in, so something they could play on the go.
2: Interestingly enough, I don't know if I mentioned this before in a previous cast, but GOG is really pushing the HD version of Baldur's Gate, as in the HD patch. <laughs> <laughs> they did this whole exposé on their website to teach you how to use how to apply the HD patch to get Baldur's Gate 2 uh, level of resolution with Baldur's Gate 1 cuz Baldur's Gate 1 was atrocious with the 64640 yeah. by 480 resolution. Yeah. So if you're if you just can't wait, you can actually play Baldur's Gate, you know, 1 but right now with that patch it's installed.
0: Not really HD. It's just they just increase the resolution they a lot and your resolution. characters are really really tiny.
2: <laughs> yeah well they have a patch to fix that too so I mean it's just whatever you want to you know put into it but those will have it already put together for you how much is it going to be?
0: Uh, $20 if you pre-order it, it's $18 hmm. uh, on the iPad it's $10 a base game if you want the extra characters and stuff it's like $5 a character so they kind of split it up But if you get it $20 in the PC you get the whole thing so they they I guess they're wanting to go a cheaper price point for the iPad just because it, it'll sell better that way I suppose.
2: Interesting. What else?
0: I'm I'm done. What about Mike?
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh,
4: I just finished today, Sweet Coden 3. I chose Ghetto as my flame champion, and I will have much more to say about that in a couple of weeks. For now, I will just say that although it is not as quick in battles as it could have been if they just used the interface for uh, the system from Sweet Coden 2. I still enjoyed it immensely, and the fact that i managed to dump 75 hours into the thing says a lot now. (laughs) And I've been playing Paper Mario Sticker Star, which I wanted to have a review of for the embargo, which ended a week ago, but... The game is quite confounding at points, and you will need to have either extreme patience testing out every possible item that you can find for certain situations, or you can do what I eventually did after I got fed up with the stupid thing and wait for GameFAQs to say something on it. I will get a review up for it pretty soon now that i am no longer stymied at every corner. But the inventory in particular is irritating me. And I don't feel like going into it at length right now. And yes, I've seen a ton of movies. I'll just go with the highlights here. Such as the 1930 version of Moby Dick, which you will not be able to see online, and I only saw because Turner Classic played it in the middle hours of the morning, which makes some very interesting choices, such as making Captain Ahab the star of the show. Because, as we all know, Captain Ahab wanted vengeance on Moby Dick because it cost him his love of a woman. And, as we all know, he also killed Moby Dick in the end, and came back to the woman who fell in love with him once more.
2: Well, of course.
4: I mean, that's, that's how the story went, right? Well,
2: yeah, like everybody knows that, Mike.
4: Uh, that is... <laughs> okay.
5: <laughs>
2: and because it's an
4: early sound movie, the sound is crap, and John Barrymore overacts all over the place. And, yeah, it doesn't even get into the actual Moby Dick story until more than halfway through, because we need to see how it all began. How Captain wow. Ahab's brother was seeing the daughter of the, of the church leader... And she apparently fell in love with Captain Ahab because he doesn't take church services seriously. That's the only reason I can find. And he vowed, we're gonna get married when I come back in three years from this whaling voyage. And what do you know, she waited all three years for him, but Moby Dick bit off his leg. And she saw it and she screamed and ran away. And she was sorry, but she didn't get to tell him so in time. And he had to go out and uh, the time scale really gets fuzzy here as we just z- zip for maybe a decade to the point where he owns his own ship and is going after Moby Dick. And Shanghai's a crew, which includes his own brother, of course, who tells him, "No, she still loves you. And apparently that's what gives him this, the courage and power to go out and kill Moby Dick and come back and have a happy ending.
1: Well, sounds the most loyal to Moby Dick is. Most Frankenstein movies are loyal to Rachel original Frankenstein.
4: I'll say this. The early Universal Frankenstein movies. Now, I haven't read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, but I can say that the book that the movies made off of her story, for the most part, are actually interesting. This version yeah, of Moby Dick is very dull. I can. <laughs> imagine. That's definitely the difference. I will also mention Skyfall, which I saw over the weekend. anybody else see it?
0: Uh, we went I've... to see it, but the Alamo Draft House was sold out, so we went and watched Wreck It Ralph instead.
4: I'll get to that. Skyfall was a ton of fun though It, it slowed for one brief section otherwise it's got a great opening chase that just keeps going on and on through the streets and eventually the train tunnels of Istanbul and then it bounces off to Shanghai and Macau and back to London where you get to see an entire subway train crash through a wall and eventually up in Scotland where we have the final showdown and Javier Bardem is a good villain Daniel Craig, he's a good Bond now. I, I like him. I, I never disliked him, but he really fits here. It's a good story, and really, if you have any liking at all for Bond, go see it, because you'll get exactly what you expect and a lot more besides. Let's see, and I want to give a shout-out to Buster Keaton in Sherlock Jr. It's only a 45-minute movie, but the man apparently broke his neck during filming and he didn't even realize it until 10 years later when a doctor said, you know, you broke your neck once upon a time. How'd you do that? And it was when he apparently took a fall from the watering station on a railway side yard and side yard. And yeah, he did all of his own stunts. It's just a throwaway when he jumps from a roof onto one of those gigantic striped, Cardboard road blockers and he rides the thing down into the backseat of a car, and it's all in one take because Buster Keaton just did that kind of thing amazingly. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty funny, too, which is the point. And I'll give a shout out to Ricky The Story of Ricky, which is one of the most disgusting and violent movies I've ever seen, but so gloriously over the top that there's no possible way you can take it seriously. Such as when a man who has been coated in cement just shatters it and then bends the bars of his cell and then his fist punches straight through a guy's gut. Or when another guy takes his own intestines out and uses them to try to strangle Ricky. It, mm-hmm. Like I said, it's very disgusting. Sound, or when the
2: Sounds yummy.
4: Or in the climax when the bad guy uh, gets pushed into a meat grinder and you get to see lots of glorious hamburger come out.
2: Nice.
5: Mmm.
4: Num-num. <laughs> Delicious. But if you if that sounds interesting and understand what you're in for, it does it pretty well. The fight choreography is lousy, but you're not going there to see good fighting. You're going there to see completely over-the-top excess. Like, you know, a guy who's been buried underground for seven days with no further water. He's pulled out. He's instantly ready to fight. Everybody knows that happens, right? Of course. <laughs> um... I was gonna talk about one other son of frankenstein speaking of frankenstein movies i had not actually seen this one but it is a worthy frankenstein movie basil rathbone plays the son of frankenstein wolf von frankenstein <laughs> bella lugosi is igor the man who was hung until dead and yet he somehow survives which means that since he is technically dead he cannot be hung again and boris karloff is the monster for the last time and it's It's very strong. I recommend it highly if you have any liking at all for the Universal Frankenstein movies. Oh, yes, and one more. Things. Probably no one has heard of it. It is a strange Canadian movie apparently made by people who had been drinking a whole lot and couldn't bother to do anything correctly when it came to technical stuff. The gist of the plot, as I understand it, is that a man, in an attempt to have a baby with his wife, made a contract with the devil and these weird things that look kind of like spiders with uh, the alien from the Alien movies' heads. Except, since they're clearly puppets, they almost never move. But it's so technically inept. The sound doesn't match. Half the time, you can barely see what's going on in the shots. And there, I can't recommend it on any level of quality, but it has a sort of hypnotic fascination because it is that awful. And um, yeah, just also it looks like crap because it was filmed on shoddy VHS and nobody ever bothered to try and remaster it because this is this is a movie called Things and nobody's going to bother remastering this. It looks like
2: ass. <laughs> ass. <laughs>
4: it really does. You look at this stuff and you're going to go, what the hell am I seeing?
2: It just can't be remastered.
4: And it has an, an odd soundtrack. There's this tune about getting caught in a tailspin, which is kind of catchy, and some other stuff that's just weird. And, of course, it doesn't match what you're seeing on screen most of the time, and most of the time you're just watching, oh, yes, hot paper towel use action. That's a big one in this movie. Nice. A guy is covered in blood. Let's watch as he as it's daubed up with paper towels in real time. Aren't you thrilled?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Okay, that's enough for, out of me. That means it's your turn, Phil.
2: Woohoo. Well, you know, Mike, I'm actually going to take a page from you. I don't normally spend my time talking about uh movies of any sort, but uh, you know, this time I have to because it was just that good. So, <laughs> anybody who knows me knows that I have a bit of a soft spot for, you know, old uh old cartoons by old, I mean, you know, stuff from the 80s and uh in the 90s. Um I've got I've got collections of everything from He-Man and Brave Star, you know, all the way up through uh the newer uh, Justice League ones that were coming around the uh, turn of the millennium.
4: You have Batman the animated series? I
2: sure do. It's awesome. And it's uh it's great. And I watched a lot of I watched a number of the Batman movies. I picked up a number of them off of amazon uh, a couple of weeks ago and i actually had a chance to catch up on them uh, i watched the one with uh mr freeze and there was another one about the mystery of the bat Ugh, woman i'm sorry yeah i mean they were they were like eh okay not nothing big you know uh i mean i'm the kind of guy and i and i'll buy just about every marvel and dc direct to dvd uh type of movie that i ever discover get my hands on as long as it isn't more than 20 bucks uh 15 20 bucks and um I mean, I even got, like, the Doctor Strange uh, direct-to-DVD movie. Uh, I was watching Iron Man way before he was up on the big screen. I was watching that uh, Blu-ray that came direct-to- the the cartoon that came direct-to-DVD so i mean i'm totally into you know all of these and 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 most of them for the most part are pretty much you know action cartoony you know some of that stuff but some of the dc some of the dc stuff has actually been uh decent from time to time Has actually been you know you- glued to my screen worthy and i mean one Could
4: i you be talking about mask of the phantasm
2: mask of the phantasm wasn't that great no it wasn't great but it
4: was pretty good
2: what where the 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 girl was it was a lot of backstory on batman and stuff i mean it was kind of eh, it was okay yeah 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 i i I actually watched that was one of the ones i watched this week sure sure (laughs) it was good it was good i you know what it is mike it wasn't that it was bad it's just compared to the one i really want to talk about it just it's just pale in comparison okay uh you know it's kind of a it's kind of a, a lead up um So uh, uh, the last uh, Superman movie I had watched was um, Superman – well, it wasn't really Superman. That was kind of Justice League-y I think, but Superman had it all out with um, Darkseid. I forget what – dang it, I forget what the name of that movie was. But that was the last one that really kept me glued to my chair because it was like 20 minutes of Darkseid and Superman just beating the crap out of each other. It was great. But even that didn't compare compare candle to what I watched this week, which was Superman versus the Elite and um, uh, if you haven't read the, that comic series, which I haven't, or you haven't seen that movie, um, they, you know there's a, there's a new brand of, of superheroes, uh, a group called the Elite, and the public loves them because the problem with Superman – and it's probably the problem with Batman too – but he locks away all these crazy – Crazy people, and eventually they get released, or they get free and and with superman 's villains, unlike Batman superman 's villains just cause you know huge destruction I mean he, you know he locks away this guy who has nuclear power when he gets loose he just you know the nuclear power guy just, just vaporizes and kills people left and right. So next thing you know, Superman's in front of the United Nations, and they're asking him, "Superman, why don't you put these guys down? You have the power; just just do it." And Superman's like, "I'm not above the law. I, I, I'm just a person like you guys are. I, I you know, I, I hand them over to authorities. It's up to you guys to decide what to do with them." But the public is outraged; they're upset, you know, because they, these guys keep getting out. And a new group called the Elite comes comes to the scene, and they're not afraid to pull that final punch and and totally put down a bad guy or bad guys who are out of control permanently. In other words, kill them. And uh, that's a line that Superman and Batman, uh, you know, are not willing to cross. That's what makes them the good guys. But uh, but here, the public support, uh, you know, quickly gets behind this new Elite people who have announced themselves to the world and are totally out there to to put a stop to bad guys once and for all. And um, I I won't go much further than that, but – uh, it does set an interesting stage where superman begins to feel outdated and uh and eventually of course it ends up between a showdown between him and uh and these uh, and the elite and it is just absolutely the last 20 minutes of that movie i was just glued and i'm usually watching these on the side while i'm working on spreadsheets and stuff uh but uh during during that last 20 30 minutes i was just glued i just i couldn't look away i, I just just i man, i, I don't want to give it away it's too juicy mm-hmm. You got to go out and see it or rent it or – I don't know. What was it on Netflix maybe? I'll look on Netflix. But uh, yeah, you you just got to see it. It, It's just – it's the best directed. DVD cartoon I've seen in in quite some time next to maybe uh the uh the uh, Justice League or Justice League Unlimited a lot of those have some really good plots to them as well I'm more of a plot person so the uh when it comes to these types of things uh plot combined with action is super great in my opinion and, and that was just that brought me back to some of those uh, that just brought me back to some of the action you would see in some of those Justice League uh and Justice League Unlimited uh you know things where the plot was really good and it was capped off with a bunch of action uh you know during the climax to really bring it home so pretty cool stuff i just i gotta tell y'all gotta go out and get that and it just came out too and, and yeah I'm
4: checking it out on IMDb it came out this year
2: I, I think it came out to some mixed reviews I, I, I think I remember reading on Amazon I guess I could just check it out real fast but I remember on Amazon when I first bought it it was just like eh, well we're not sure and you know a bunch of three threes and a half which I mean whenever you read these uh, oh it's four eh, four is not too too bad but generally when I'm looking at user reviews for video games and movies with a star system three is ultra bad four is okay and, and four and a half to five is 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 really something you usually want to get into
4: once i looked in depth at some amazon reviews and a couple of the one star people out and out admitted i'm not talking about this version that you're looking at here i'm talking about another version but i have to say that that version really sucked and i can't say anything really about the one you're looking at on this page because i i didn't do my research
2: now mm. I can tell you is that holy cow! It was just it was just really really good. And so, uh, uh, yeah, if you can if you can go and check that out, and yeah, write me and tell me how much you think it was because it'd be really cool to talk to somebody about it who actually seen the whole thing. But maybe I'm just a little bit too much of a I'm not even that big of a Superman fan. It was just really good to see. Yeah, see him in that light, you know, for even if just for a few minutes, it was really awesome, really great. Okay, I've already said too much. Bad, bad me. Well, I'm gonna check it out real fast. No, it's it just came out, so it's not gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be on Netflix or anything like that. No, it's it's not showing up on uh, Netflix just yet. It's too early. Uh, anywho, um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, let's see. Uh, some. Um, I haven't really been. Uh, I haven't actually been playing a whole lot, as I mentioned. Uh, to some of the guys here on the podcast, I was a little bit late uh, today to get the recording started, and that's just because my job has been super, super busy. Um, so uh, I'm in the I'm in the head of accounting department, and by department I mean it's only two other people other than myself. So uh, one of them recently got promoted at someplace else, so I'm short-handed. So we're having to pick up a lot of slack, which is really making us burn the candle both ends. So I don't have too much time for playing, though. I did put some time into Pandaria, and I've talked about it a little bit before. And I'm sure was playing set on it, but from a casual gamer perspective, I'm really enjoying the level 85 plus pandarian quest they need more voice acting they need more plot because holy cow when they do it right when it's firing on all four cylinders it's like you don't mind the fact the gameplay eh, gameplay is like eight or nine years old because uh and it's repetitious <laughs> because there's some good plots some good uh good stuff going on there that kind of get you through that and for uh for what it does it, it can be pretty fun sometimes but uh unfortunately sometimes it, it gets a little slow in between and and yeah but it, but for something i do while i'm watching tv it, it's pretty cool i'm surprised I've been having a hard time finding podcasts that talk about Guild Wars too. Uh, I've been trying. I mean, there's there. I, I did find a new podcast that's dedicated to it, so I'm going to download and listen to that. But I'm really surprised to because I listen to like Bombcast and PC Gamer and uh, and uh, and I try to listen to RPG Cast until Chris switched to the servers that he saves those things on, but. Um, I'm not hearing a lot of people talking about their experiences with uh, Guild Wars Two, which is surprising to me because um, I have played a, a bit of that and I go back to it uh, every few days, uh, and it's it's still very refreshing uh, gameplay compared to let's say the World of Warcrafts or the other uh, MMOs that are out there. I'm also playing you know some Old Republic, so um, you know Old Republic. It feels old. It's it's a new game, but it still feels old. But, you know, they do have some good story in there, which is, uh, you know, which like Pandaria, really helps to, to, you know, to to help get you into it. It's just that uh, once you realize that that's that's all there is to it, it kind of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends have left Old Republic who got too far you know into it, who got to max level and stuff. Which, uh, you know, which is a shame, because I, you know, I like to see that one kind of grow, too. Um... On the, uh... On I, was the... Enjoying... What's that? Yeah, I was enjoying...
0: What's that? I was enjoying Guild Wars 2. You are enjoying it's, Guild uh, Wars 2? Yeah, and it's one of those I still want to play, hmm. but I think XCOM kind of knocked me off track on
5: it.
2: Oh my gosh, I XCOM. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's what I hear. I hear in um, listening to the, pod, the video game podcast for the last two months, whether it's RPG cast, bombcast, BC gamer, the two games I hear nonstop about is FTL and uh, and uh, Xcom, with the Xcom being an elite, actually. you hear a lot more about the Xcom, but uh, FTL. Oh my gosh! That that's another one we've talked. I've talked about it before. I have played it before. Um, really, really great little game for ten bucks. Uh, ten bucks so you can get off a of Gog or Steam. Uh, XCOM. It's going to be a bigger investment. Fifty bucks. Uh, I think we talked about that one before too. But if we haven't, we really should because it is a really great tactical RPG slash. Uh, strategy big big picture strategy game because you are also you know if you ever played the xcom series before half the game is commanding your troops in a very f- tactical rpg type of thing but the other half of the game is where you're running and coordinating global defenses uh and building bases and the such so it kind of goes back and forth between those two but i've heard nothing but good things aside from a few bug reports and stuff about
5: xcom the There's a few,
0: little, a few little annoyances in the tactical battle as far as uh, the layers and leveling of, and clicking the right space you want them to go to and then not knowing if you're going to have line of sight or not. That kind of bothered me. Just move a guy and it looks like you should be able to shoot him but you can't. But other than that, you know, great. I, I had a lot of sleepless nights playing uh, XCOM. I couldn't get away. <laughs> and and one of the the
2: the... the one of the complaints, or not complaints, but criticisms I hear about the game, and it's almost like a positive criticism, is that the game is very tough. Um, even on the easier difficulty levels, it just really, you know, will hand your rear end to you, old school style. However, uh, for those people who've been intimidated by that, if you're listening to podcasts or you're reading reviews and you're intimidated by that news, I did read a, a recent news article on, I believe it was another website. I won't mention actually. This is an RPG production, but. Um, RP Gamer Production. But they are actually releasing a patch that's gonna make the easy difficulty easy. <laughs> because right now easy difficulty is pretty hard and normal difficulty is kick your ass. So uh so if you if you're intimidated by the harder difficulty level you've read in the reviews, uh that's being patched out, so it won't be so intimidating for people who are intimidated by intimidating difficulty. Um <laughs> uh, did you have a problem with the difficulty, John?
0: No, not, I mean, I played on normal, I beat it, and only had a couple troops die. Oh, okay. But, but I'm also, you know, I play all those games. And,
2: yeah, yeah, and it's definitely... So I'm, a, I'm a veteran. Yeah, it's definitely, and that's what it's designed. You know, it's definitely geared towards those, you know, those people who uh, those uh, those people who are geared towards those turn-based strategy games who grew up playing them and are used to them being a a bit tough and stuff. It's certainly not impossibly difficult or anything like that on the normal setting. Um, But uh, they did make it easier because uh, because on the easy difficulty, because there were some concerns, and I hear that a lot during the reviews. But uh, again, when I hear people even talking about it, about being difficult, it's always in a positive light. Like, damn, that death just made me care so much about the character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah, so yeah. it's it's all good. Um let's see. For some other retro that's not really a retro game, but I bring it up because aside from the fact that it's being mentioned all over the gosh darn place, uh XCOM is built from the ground up on very um Uh, on very what's the word i'm thinking of (laughs) archaic classic classic gameplay very classic gameplay turn-based uh turn-based uh tactical rpgs um just aren't super super popular these days Uh, and you don't see a lot of big developers picking them up so i'm super excited to see um cxcom which i think is made by was it Maxit? who's it made who's it made by
0: yeah, yeah. Maxis? Maxis.
2: Okay. Uh, and it's nice to see them, you know, because uh, when that, when they were originally, I think, wasn't this, isn't this a game where it was originally announced it was just going to be a first-person shooter and then a lot of no, people No, there still or, is that. Still no, no, I mean, but it's them. still there. But didn't they also make this in response to that c- concern? I don't yeah. know if it was in res-
0: Was it in response or they were just going
2: to I mean, it basically,
1: it they only announced this after, you know, like at least a year of people thinking that, hey, why, why are you making this stupid FPS XCOM? We want a real XCOM. Yeah, yeah. So, and <laughs> certainly some cause and effect going on there. I think
2: that was the impression that I got because it was it was the the first person shooter was announced first, and I I mean when I saw XCOM immediately I went to it because I'm part of that you know crowd of people who like those types of games, and uh, and I was my initial reaction was pretty much the same, and then I remember them later saying this, and I don't think it was ever now, officially announced. I mean, this is in response to fan. No, I don't think so, but it certainly seemed you know came across that way. Um, anywho, uh, and, uh, so that's all for me personally, but a little retro news, sort of. Um, I don't know if i mentioned this before, but Gene Forge 1 through 5 is on GOG for about 10 bucks. Uh, Gene Forge, uh, I've mentioned Spiderweb Software before. Spiderweb Software is that one-to-three-man team <laughs> who makes very old-school, Ultima-style tactical, uh, RPGs, uh, that will work. Epidone and a Mm-hmm. And Gene Forge uh, one through five I've talked about before, but it is uh, it is uh, that series of games where you play a character and you're a shaper and you can uh, summon up other creatures and mold other creatures. Uh, there's three different classes. One focuses more on on the uh, on summoning and creating these other creatures that follow you and do uh, and you know are basically your troops in battle whereas another class more focuses on the uh, direct uh, damage and effect magic and then there's a class that's kind of a spy that's kind of in between uh, but the, it, you know it's it's a very interesting uh, game series uh, you're getting five games for like 10 bucks they're very deep they'll take up lots of time as long as you can get if you're one of those people who goes around bragging that you love deep rpgs and graphics don't matter that much to you well god bless you you'll you'll feel right at home with with gene forge uh, one through five so uh you know i highly encourage you to go and pick that up and support uh spider web software i'm kind of hoping that they'll eventually bring some of their avadon games and other series uh to gog uh, they a lot of their other series are actually on steam uh, but i'm a big fan of gog as well because i love drm free uh games uh warlord battle cry 2 uh, was recently released uh warlord battle cry 1's already been on there were warlord battle cry 2 is a great uh, RPG slash RTS. Uh, the gameplay itself is, for the most part, RTS. Yes, but you're you're you always have your champion hero uh, on the battlefield who gains uh, who gains levels as the army is is succeeding, and that character um, carries on from scenario to scenario, from can't you know the campaign to campaign, and uh, and and when he levels up, you are very much leveling up an RPG character, and he he can pick up gear and uh, have healing potions and the such, and he can usually take uh, a few. Uh, and I use this in quotation marks. I call them generals, but those are his top uh, level troops who are uh, who've been with them for a while, and they gain experience and gain levels as well. Though you really don't uh, level up their skills like you do uh, the main character. The main character, I mean, this this system is really deep. But your main character, you really get attached to your main hero dude because um, you can pick from I forget how much I want to say it was like twelve or fifteen different classes, and each one has access to different spells or abilities, um, different progression in their stats. You also get to pump points in the stats as you level up. So uh, in the you know, in that respect, uh, it, it, you know, you, you feel like it's an RPG that you have that character growth going on and you're molding that character. But the gameplay itself, there's a storyline, but there's not a lot of choices to be made if you're playing the campaign. I'll take that back. When you're when you're playing the campaign, there's a map of the land you're taking over, and you will make decisions as far as which land you're going to take over next. And that will have implications a lot of times because uh, you will oftentimes get bonuses for your heroes uh, and your troops based on where you go next. So, I mean, there's your decision-making right there <laughs> the plot isn't going to sweep you away it's a generic you know evils taking over the world go save you know uh save the world type of thing i mean certainly uh the decisions uh feel more strategic than they feel uh role-playing uh, in that respect but it is kind of cool that you do have this one general hero who is leveling up and and can eventually get to some pretty high levels the game even features a hardcore mode where if your hero dies he's gone for good very reminiscent of a diablo uh Style game, so and I would not recommend that because yeah, it, it can be pretty easy to die if you're not careful. So uh, this one was deeper and better balanced in my opinion than the first one. So you want to go check that out on GOG, and it's it is under the RPG genre, uh, RPG uh, strategy fantasy game is the way they got it listed, and I would agree with them there, and that's why I make mention of it. It is a single, and uh, and if you got some other friends that are who play it with you, good luck. <laughs> you can play it, uh, you can play it multiplayer. But a strategy game so a pretty cool little game i fire it up every now and then on my laptop just for kicks and giggles and since it is a good old game it'll run on just about anything it actually came out originally on march 12 2002 and they've got this set up to work with xp vista and seven god bless gog i just love them to death and i can never talk them talk them up enough so and then uh, costume quest is also on there and that's not really an old rpg backtrack you know type of game just yet but it is a turn-based a turn-based rpg that our listeners might be interested in it came on originally uh at least from my understanding on the xbox and the playstation network uh last year two years ago so it might be backtrackable but um it is now on gog so you can play that on your computer i think it's also been on steam for a little bit but you can get that now for a limited time for seven dollars and fifty cents uh it retails for 15 bucks so and GOG versions are awesome because they're DRM free and they're not tied to a Steam account. So go check that out. <sighs> okay, I think that's all for my pimpage. Come back to us in a couple of weeks. Like I said, we'll be talking about a lot of so we could in games, Mister uh, Mister uh, Schlothen and uh, Mister Stringbean. I thank you so much for being on the RPG Backtrack. <laughs> couldn't do this without you because Lord only knows I couldn't talk about Xenoblade for terribly long.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. What's that? Xeno Gears, Xeno.
2: Xeno Gears, Blade, Xeno something. <laughs> did I get just another Xeno? Wait, are those, wait, did I get a Xeno, I got a Xeno game for my, my Wii. What was that one? Xeno. That's Xeno Blade. Xeno Blade, okay. Is that tied into these guys at all?
1: Uh, well, it's maybe by some of the same people. It has, it has a couple of similar themes here and there, but it's actually a very, very different game. Very fun though. I'm still playing it myself and having a lot of, ton of fun with it, even though I'm like 130 hours in at this point.
2: Wow. Oh wow! Well, you're definitely going to have to. Well, if we don't do a if we don't do a full backtrack on it, I I don't know if it's you know old enough for that. But if nothing else, you should definitely when you get through that give that some time on a final lap, or we can do a personal uh, you know another segment on it because that 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 is something I think a lot of people want to listen to um Let's uh let's do the uh, legalese here. I want to let's see. I want to thank you all for listening to us. You are the reason we do this. Do us a favor. Rate us over on iTunes. Write comments on our boards at uh, rpgamer.com. Click on the forum links and leave your comments on there. We love it when you leave us comments. Good, bad, or indifferent. Leave us bad comments. We don't care. We'll just argue with you. It's great stuff. <laughs> Um, our, we, we have the
4: microphone and you don't.
2: That's right. And we can totally put you down on the show and all you can do is write more form comments. <laughs> <sighs> oh, it's lovely being in the chair. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me. You know, I still don't know my RP. I gotta get somebody to fix my RPGamer address. So for now, I'm just going to tell you to email JCservant at CyberlightComics.com. Um, and help shape our future shows don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer as always listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show which is called the rpg cast um all at rpgamer.com and uh mr minky my favorite co-host please put us to bed
4: i would love to have a theological or philosophical discourse. To auger in the end of this episode. However, that's not really my department. That would be my maternal grandmother's department. And I really don't want to get her started or else she'll be yammering at you for half an hour on this subject. So I will just say that everybody talked about Xenogears and did a far better job than I can hope to since I haven't actually played the thing. And that means good night.